up everybody it's that time of it's the time of the week again it is uh hump day and uh as always we have the illustrious mr t with uh mountain Red sorry t i'm running a little slow right now i've got a million things in my head but we got t here with the uh, mountain readiness and of course your lovely host myself here angry american and we have our 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 resident mascot finally back safely in one piece Emery, Emery, you have no idea how happy the ladies are that you're finally back. I mean, all of yeah, them. I don't mean like anyone. I just mean all of them. Why am I being uh, kept? Every under? single lady. <laughs> yeah, few men, I believe, as well. Men as well, but yeah, mainly a ladies. few. Well, in these days, it's more than a few. Uh, but uh, no, we, you know, you were gone, and, and we just told everybody that uh, you know you're working, you got things to do, you, you were doing some things. So we didn't tell them what you're doing or even where you were. Um, but now that you're back, let's let's talk about what we can talk about. I'm gonna preface this, guys, with we're not gonna be able to talk about everything. And if you guys ask some questions, I haven't pulled up the email yet. Well, the show notes on it, got so many windows open. Uh, we'll try to answer what can't, we won't be able to answer everything. And that is totally at Emory's discretion and call because he's the man. Uh, we want to make sure we keep everybody safe where they're out doing their things, uh, at the place. How you doing, well, man? It's good to see you. Like, for real. I appreciate Thank it. You. Yeah, thanks. I, I miss you guys. I missed I missed uh you guys, and then I also missed you guys that are watching. Um yeah, hard hard times, hard times. Um, you know, a lot to talk about and to tell about. Um I yeah, I got to go home. I it was it, it's a long story, really, where it starts, but uh, you know, obviously the day this stuff broke out on the 7th of October. Anyone who's Israeli or connected or whatever, you know, is, is uh, freaking out. It's probably not the right word. Well, it's probably the right word for a lot of people, but you know, instantaneously to me, it's like, okay, what's going on? How do I get home? And it was a whole saga. Um, but I was in the middle of, of a course and, um, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do until you can, figure stuff out. So I ended up blowing out my back as a lot of people know. And it's been, it's been rough. So I wasn't able because of that to go back for a while. And then I went to New York and started seeing doctors and all that got good enough to where I could make this trip happen. Um, the majority of it, uh, I often go back there with, uh, people to do some executive protection. And so that was kind of one of these I went with the, uh, the person that I often go and do these trips with. So, um, I'm not going to get into like who I was there with, but they were there to, to, to help out and do some stuff. So we had a lot of meetings and a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting things going on. But, you know, as part of that, you know, we, we went, um, I, I and under different circumstances, I probably would not have gone. Um, but, but we went, it was important for, for these people to see the, uh, the actual places where the massacre happened on the seventh. 
And mm. the reason it was important for them to see it, in my opinion, is because there are apparently somehow a lot of people here, a lot of like normal people, not not just idiots that are, you know, out shouting, you know, pro Hamas stuff in the streets. But there's a lot of people here who who have gotten the impression that somehow what happened on October 7th. Yeah, I'm not really sure if it happened or how it happened or whatever, even though the whole thing was on video. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, for so us, uh, hold on, I, mean, I want to say, give me just a second. I want to add one thing because it ties directly into, into you being there. So the reason Duke Fontaine is not here tonight, guys, um, is sort of for the same reason. Emory had to go back home. He had to go back to Israel. Duke Fontaine, um, his his wife, uh, mother of his of his baby, uh, they she's Israeli as well. Um, her family happened to be here in the states with Duke. Um, when things went down and so they stayed uh, but her brother was just recalled uh, by the reserves so they're they're trying to get him home um, that's probably more than I should have said on it but I'm going to tell you exactly why and then I don't have a problem supporting anybody who's going back to the IDF to to destroy Hamas I'm not even going to say defend Israel I'm going to say to destroy Hamas because that's what needs to happen but that's why Duke's not here tonight because that's happening for him so same kind of thing. You had to take some people over there for, like you said, for, for reasons needed to see the place. And, and I can only imagine how awful that was, man. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was bad for sure. I think it gives you, um, you know, it doesn't give you the full story, right? But you're walking through, mm -hmm. you're walking through people's broken lives and everything's burned. It's really, I mean, uh, you know, Look, as soon as this started happening, anyone who's from Israel, whether they live there or not, like me, I live here now, right? But anyone who's either from Israel or very connected with Israel, um, I, 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 I think all, we all feel like whether you knew someone personally in one of these towns on the 7th or not, we all feel like, like these are family members that have, that this stuff has happened to, Right. Um, you know, Israel all in all, it's not a big place. Right. And, uh, um, and everybody feels like this is personal. Like this is my, my family. This happened to everyone, everyone, you know, feels that way. And let me try to think of how to say this. The beautiful thing, if you can find any sort of, you know, good in this whole horrible situation I think is, is how it, it does bring people together in that, uh, in that society, right? The Jewish society has always been built on and Israel specifically is very much built on, you know, all the tragedies of the past, you know, and, and things like this happening. And it really, you know, kind of bonds people together. There's still a lot of argument about, you know, about how things should be handled and all that. We can get into that, but, um, you know, but it's really a feeling, uh, you know, you set foot in Israel, anybody now can feel it. You can feel it. Everyone is there to win this together. Um, you know, from the people who have to keep running the the stores, you know, the grocery stores and everything. I mean, that's every bit as crucial because people forget, um, you know, in times of actual declared war in Israel, numerically, the main fighting force is the reserves. And so what that does is and and the reserves are are built different there 
than they are here. You can't just join the reserves, right? Um, and so <laughs> you take all these hundreds of thousands of reservists. Well, these are all people that were working, right? And so a lot mm -hmm. of businesses are being impacted. I mean, the, you know, this, this has a, a really broad reaching effect on the Israeli economy. So it, it's almost like that's another front of the war. You know, there's the Gaza front, the West Bank front, the, the Lebanon slash Syria front, the maybe Yemen front, you know, the list goes on, the maybe Iran front. Um, but well, uh, Yemen, you can't really say you can't say maybe Yemen at this point. Yemen's well, the Houthis, at least I won't say right. Yemen. I'll say the Houthis are they're They're neck deep into it. I mean, I, you know, yeah. they're they're we were in a gunfight with them with a destroyer the other day that was not allowed to fire back from what I'm trying to piece together. It sounds like their hands are tied uh, and the, the Houthis are constantly firing rockets, not constantly, but but regularly now firing rockets into Israel. Uh, mm -hmm. So they're they're involved. You know, it's a, like like it. History repeats. Uh, you know, the patterns of history always repeat. And, and it's again, it's a multi front fight for Israel's survival. And guys, I, I forgot to mention this because, as you know, I'm a scatterbrained uh, most of the time. Hashtag Israel. If you guys have direct questions, we will try to get to those. If you have direct questions, only if it's like a direct question you want to ask. Hashtag it, though. Um, and do us a big favor. Press all the buttons, hit the likes, do the things, help us out. We are trying to grow this stuff. And uh, but I just wanted to get all that out so maybe we can get back to this because this is stuff we're, we're important. We want to talk about this this evening. And and if you guys have questions, I do want you to get some answers if we can. So but yeah, so the Houthis are neck deep in it as far as I'm concerned. Uh Amory, I don't think anybody can really argue that one. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um by the way, you were right in saying Yemen and not just the Houthis. And the reason is because, you know, the Houthis did a military coup there and and they do run the country. So it is technically yeah. the country, you know, um, but uh, but yeah, but the, but there is there is a distinction to be made there. The reason yeah. I left out Yemen as a active front is not because stuff isn't happening there. It's because. You know, it's just not something that we can really that that it's it's not the right timing yet to deal with that. And yeah, I, this I whole thing that. is very complicated. You know, tactically, I'm not even getting into strategically on a yeah. tactical level deal. You know, uh, the IDF may be incredibly strong and it is, um, but it's limited in size. And so very limited in size. And so. You know, having all these fronts simultaneously, you know, makes it makes it very difficult. And you have to really strategize about a lot more things than just, you know, how do we how do we go in and, and take over a neighborhood and, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Oh, not not in Gaza. Yeah. Things are far more complicated in Gaza. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Gaza, I've spent a lot of time in Gaza um, and, you know, I hear a lot of talk. Uh, I hear a lot of talk on the news, whether it's, you know, and I try to keep up with all news during this thing to a degree. The last couple of days I've been out of it because uh, for those of you guys who, who can't tell how tired I look, <laughs> it's, I literally just landed yesterday. So I'm super jet lagged. I don't even know where I am. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on and we can start to maybe try to unpack a little bit of it here. 
Um, and I'll be, you know, just like you guys said with the, with, uh, with audience asking questions, guys, by all means, uh, if you want, you know, uh, go ahead and ask questions here. I'll be, I'll be more than happy to, to kind of go with that flow. Um, in, instead of just spouting off stuff that may or may not be interesting to everybody, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're two months into this, which really, you know, that, that counter started October 7th, but think about it that, you know, it took between two to three weeks, uh, for the ground assault to actually start. Right. Um, yeah. and so there's kind of different places that you might count. Why is counting the time important? This is kind of the crux of this whole Gaza situation right now is the time factor for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think the, when you go into a war, you declare war as a nation. I think the most important first step, the most important first step is to establish very, very clearly in bullet points, in, in very concise bullet points, what your uh, strategic goals are, right? What do I need to accomplish in order mm -hmm. to say I won this war? And yep. <clears throat> that is something that both uh, Israel and America in the last bunch of years have actually been uh, not good at doing. And mm -hmm. I would go as far as saying the West has become not good at being able to set proper uh, proper military objectives for, for its own forces because we get split into this, uh, uh, this dilemma of, well, in order to win a war, you have to be definitive about certain things. You have to be definitive mm -hmm. in the case of if, if it's country against country, right? You have to be definitive about my soldiers are in the capital. I've taken over the ports or the airports. I've, you know, things have to happen that are concise and uh, palpable. You have to be able to feel your objectives being completed. Something like this in Gaza where the, the, um, the knee-jerk reaction was destroy Hamas. And so that was objective mm -hmm. number one is destroy Hamas. What the hell does that mean? Right? Uh, because it's not fighting a normal army. You're not fighting a country. You're fighting a terror organization that by definition has been working inside of its own civilian territory, uh, civilian population. I'm sorry. And, and infrastructure, and, not, not just working inside the civilian to inside the civilian infrastructure, like just last week or here, just very recently, all this noise is made about the hospital, about the hospital being attacked. Well, there's there's videos that go back and, and, and not just videos, but other uh, documentation that goes back for years that Hamas used the hospital for prisoners, for torture, for all manners of things. And, and Israel didn't just attack the hospital. Israel said to the hospital, get your doctors and get your patients out of there because we got to come in here. We're, we're coming in. Just like they yep. told, uh, was it Doctors Without Borders here recently too? Empty your warehouse, get your stuff and move it because we're going to be there soon and, and this is going to have to continue. Because like you said, to use the term root out Hamas, like you said, there's they said destroy, but I think a better way of saying what Israel's having to do is root Hamas out, literally underground. They're having to dig those bastards out and bury them uh, in the tunnel warfare. It's kind of like going back to the Viet Cong, fighting in tunnels, mm -hmm. but, but you know, to that yeah. point, you know. Well, that's absolutely true, um, but that's why. So let's discuss the two the the two objectives initially were 
destroy Hamas militarily, destroy Hamas politically. That's one. Um, and then politically meaning destroy their ability to have any sort of reign in Gaza there or anywhere else and, yeah. and kill as many of their, uh, of their terrorists and leaders as possible. Objective one. Objective two is rescue as many hostages as possible. And this is where things get really, really touchy. And I will, I will give you my guys, my opinion on this. Um, this is inside of Israel, probably the most controversial topic of discussion uh, inside of Israel. And when we get into it, you'll understand why. But I want to touch on the objectives thing. So after this ceasefire, um, or Hudna is, is how we call it, that's an Arabic word that they usually use for those brief, you know, pauses in fight for whether it's humanitarian stuff or whatever. So coming out of that, um, Israel actually added an objective, which I will try to paraphrase here. And this, this third objective could have everybody feel like incredibly uncomfortable. The third objective is win this war in a way that will, here's where I'm just paraphrasing, that will not piss off America. This is where it gets really tricky, right? We have to keep, um, yeah. we have to keep the international support, which anyone who's grown up and lived in Israel or anyone who, who really researches the Middle East and, and knows about the history of Israel um, understands that international public opinion, unfortunately, is a driving force in enabling or disabling us from doing what we have to do. And militarily, politically, all that stuff. Israel is used to everyone being against it. We're used to it. That's why we have a country, right? Because we don't have a place mm -hmm. that's ours for us to defend other than Israel. And so, you know, the way I'm going to try to keep this as apolitical as I can in terms of, you know, American politics, but, you know, it's heavily involved. So, off the bat, when this started, and America sent over the Fifth Fleet and sent over two Mews, uh, Marine Expeditionary Units. Um, so two Mews are over there, and some Special Operations Forces, and et cetera, et cetera. And where they placed all the ships and everything was tremendous, right? That's that's an incredible show of support. And hey, we're with you. And everything was placed well because when you leave military people to make military decisions, they do a good job typically. Um. And, uh, but it was clear to everybody in Israel, you know, from day one. And, you know, I know that we had even discussed this, you know, privately. It's like from day one, it's obvious that within a few weeks, you know, even America will kind of back off its support because, because let's face it, the Biden administration and a lot of administrations, it's not just them, even though I think they're, um, especially inept, but the Biden administration has a time limit of how much it is willing to deal with pushback from its own voters here, right? Especially in a year where everybody's rallying up to, um, to try to sell themselves to get voted back into office next year. So I don't think anybody expected the, the kind of, you know, anti-Semitic Kristallnacht type of events happening around the world uh, in the streets, which is totally yeah. insane. 
totally insane. But, um, you know, so, so Israel now has to dance between the raindrops because it is a hundred percent because of what the Biden administration is trying to dictate to Israel, uh, in terms of how to deal tactically with the situation in Gaza specifically, that, uh, they're, they've put us in a catch 22. It's a, it's a completely non-doable, um, uh, 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 kind of set of of not objectives but of ways to work right on one hand we need you to not uh hurt innocent civilians okay nobody wants to hurt innocent civilians we're, we're a modern country anybody that thinks that israel's targeting innocent civilians isn't is an idiot it's just that simple it's that that simple um you yeah. know if you think that's what's going on there you don't you just don't know what you're talking about um with all due respect so uh, and, well, and sadly, sadly, Emory, if, if that's what they if that's what they think, it's because they're listening to the media. Um, they're, they're not hearing the, the truth. They don't know what's actually going on. They, they, they're they listening to these talking heads who, like you say, they're the mouthpiece of the administration. So when the administration decides, you know, we're going to pick Ukraine over Israel, of course, because I guess Ukraine's got more dirt on Biden family than, than Israel does. Um, keep funneling money to them, and we're going to start backpedaling our support for Israel because of the way they're doing things. Is the way they're going to phrase it. You're killing the innocent civilians, but you're bombing hospitals. You're doing these things, and they listen to the media and they they believe that because that's what they're being told. When they don't know the whole truth, they're not hearing you know that that good old um, yep. uh, you know, the rest of the story. You know, um, right? Because it's the well, propaganda they're being fed. And if you think about it, right, for people as and, and pardon me, but I'm I'm done with being gentle with my words. Okay. So I'm I'm not gonna break any, I'm not gonna violate YouTube rules here, but I'm I'm done with being touchy-feely and uh concerned with people's feelings. If you're as dumb as Kamala Harris, right, who gets up at this summit in um uh wherever the the, the climate summit or whatever was, uh if you're dumb enough to get up mm -hmm. there and say the words she said, you know, then what do you expect? Right. What do you, what kind of information do you expect people to get? Um, and so what they're, the impossible situation they're putting Israel in is no hurt civilians, which of course is impossible. Everybody knows that, but they, it's kind of lip service at this point. So minimize civilian casualties is like the best way they've managed to say it. And they pair that with, it's got to happen quickly. Well, it's like in my time uh, being a knife maker, right? You have, uh, how does this, I'm going to butcher this for sure, but you know, you have three options. You can pick two, right? It can be done well, it can be done fast, and it can be done cheap. You cannot have all three. You yeah. can have two, yeah. right? Um, no. It can be fast two. and cheap, but it ain't going to be good. It can be good. Nope. And, you know, it's, there's your combination. You can't have all three. So here, there's two right. things and you cannot there. They are mutually exclusive. Uh, you either take an insane amount of time and lose a tremendous amount of our own soldiers. Um, or mm -hmm. you do it the correct way, which time isn't necessarily as much a factor. Um, and you get your damn mission accomplished. Uh, so, so there's kind of this, you know, you can either protect more, innocent civilians over there and i'll explain why i'm doing air quotes over there it's not that i'm about killing literally everybody 
but it's not that simple either. Um, so you can do it quickly or you can do it in a better fashion, but you cannot have both. So, um, so that's, that's the impossible situation Israel's in, and it is trying to effectively, uh, advance with the objective, with completing the objectives of this war, uh, while, you know, objective number three, don't piss off America because we need their support. Um, you brought up Ukraine too. I think it is very important, by the way. Yes, I'm from Israel. Yes, I think the world needs to get up and be involved uh, on the side of good as opposed to evil. And, and it comes down to good versus evil. Uh, but I also I also would urge people to, to understand that the Ukraine war is actually still important for us. Um, for oh, us yeah, America. it still is. No doubt about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Uh, you know, yeah, uh, somebody here is saying, let's see, thank you, Green, is saying, in my humble opinion, Imri, Israel needs to treat this as a war and not a, the thing just jumped, and not as a police action like we've done. Um, I absolutely agree. Um, and this is being handled by our military very differently than previous uh, incursions, we'll call this, into Gaza and things in the West Bank. I think that comment is actually, it comes from a, a really good, I, I don't know who you are, but it comes from a good knowledge base because that is true. That is how Israel's had to work in the territories uh, in for the last 30 years. That is not actually how it's how it's happening now. Right now, it is actually being handled like a war. But, uh, but you're right. Yeah. That comment is still the boots on the ground and the tactics we're using and that kind of thing uh, is not reminiscent at all to how all the fighting has been going on in the last 30 years with the Palestinians. Um, there are strong infantry forces moving. Um, there's there's a whole new way that the army. I'm I'm going to I'm going to give some tactical kind of stuff but uh, but I have to be very careful about how I describe things because <clears throat> we don't want to display for everybody uh who might find this link uh and hop on the show exactly how what tactics are being employed um but yeah no the infantry push here is actually quite impressive yes they're making they're making really good progress too. Like they're, I I thought it was going to take them a lot longer to mm -hmm. to accomplish what they've accomplished. Just because knowing Hamas has had decades to prep the job site. I mean, we we knew Israel was walking into the mother of all ambushes. You know, at at every corner, at every turn, at, at, at from underground, from everything. And there, to me, the, the the progress they're making, the advances they're making, are, are actually impressive. So I would agree. Good I would him. agree. Um, there's yeah, this is a very, very difficult scenario to be in. Uh, and I'm just talking tactically, forget the, the 10,000 foot thing, mm -hmm. tactically boots yeah. on the ground. This is one of the most complex, um, areas of operation there are. And, you know, and I think based on all of the, based on all the parameters set upon Israel, um, you know, I, th I think, I think we're doing a decent job. 
Um, but this is where it gets into, you know, let's talk CQB a second. I'm not going to get into teaching uh, everybody how to do CQB. Um, but I bring this up because uh, CQB in the, in the first couple of days of fighting, a lot of lessons were learned. And um, the whole world likes to, in, in terms of tactics, right? The whole world likes to copy America. Why? They're the cool guys, right? They get all the money, they get all the advanced training, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of the, uh, a lot the, of the, all the cool <laughs> stuff. Oh. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, even in Israel, yeah. Years ago, we started kind of adopting the American way to enter a room and to, to move as a team and that kind of thing. Cool. It's very effective for certain situations. What happened in the first days is they realized, I won't get into too many details here, but but a lot of the boots on the ground that were doing the hostage rescue missions and stuff on the first day um, realize that you if you do your normal what's called dynamic entry into a room you're just going to get all your guys killed and you're probably going to get hostages killed um and there were a few reasons for this that, it goes back to that prepping the job site well that goes back to prepping the job site that that, that yeah. they knew it was coming and so they're ready and, and you're right for people that don't understand cqb uh, uh uh it's the absolute hardest way to fight I mean, if, you know, for, for, in a combat sense, it's like being in a, in a, in a phone booth with somebody, you both have a gun and one hand and a knife in the other, and you're fighting each other. Like, you know, but, but one guy's already in the phone booth and the other guy's got to walk in. So yep. it's a terrible thing to, to do for people that don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so one of, you know, one of their objectives for that day that were deliberately passed down to the terrorists that broke through the borders on the 7th um, was, uh, you know, one, one of the orders was once you get in a place, you grab as many hostages as you can. In, this is inside of Israel before they go back to Gaza. You grab as many hostages as you can, secure them in whatever building, you know, the bigger, the better. And then, you know, get in a hidey hole and try to draw the soldiers in. Well, they booby trapped a lot of stuff. They had Unfortunately, sadly, they had tons of time. They had tons of time, um, yeah. you know, at least a couple hours until the first SF teams got there. Uh, the first day it was really only SF teams that, that, you know, soft teams, I'll call them, that that showed up immediately. And they had their work cut out for them. The bad guys were shooting a lot of armor-piercing rounds. Um, and, you know, they came with charges ready to booby trap houses so when you go dynamic into a room meaning you'll stack up on a door and then just start flowing into the room um and committing to that room and being really aggressive with your with your entry methods <coughs> you're going to set stuff off um that's one remember that uh, also in that area everything's concrete right so you have a lot more cover as well to use as opposed to just concealment like our uh you know sheetrock walls here um, so that can come yeah, to your advantage. Construction is entirely different. Yeah, you can you can yeah. use kind of different tactics. And so um, so a lot of the fighting has even down to the CQB level has been slowed down because of that environment, right? And and that's even well, more you said you said something too, though. And that cut you off slight delay between us guys, and it's on my end, not nobody else, but you said that they were running AP rounds. Mm -hmm. Out of AKs and stuff, 
that's yep. that's not common. That's uh, that's a we call that a clue in this business. That's a clue. Uh, sure. Interesting that Absolutely you said that. Correct. So I was just pointing that out for folks. That is not normal. That is not, and it's to me matter of fact very it's strange of. that Hamas. It's yeah, it, and 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 bewildering that Hamas could have that much AP seven six two by thirty nine ammo. That's I mean. I'm going to be honest and say I have never seen a 7.62 by 39 AP rounds. Don't even know what they look like. I know what 5.56 looks like in 7.62, but I have no idea what a 7.62 by 39 looks like AP. So it's interesting that that's what they're running. So, yeah, back to yeah. Well, which makes who, this all the, all the harder. Who makes them? <laughs> Russia. Russia makes them. <laughs> um, I'm not yeah. saying necessarily they were shooting Russian ammo, but there's 100% Russian involvement. Um I've heard different things. I'm not yeah. going to state this as fact because I don't know, but it was either Russian ammo or Russia maybe gave them the recipes for how to make it at home. Um, and they were either made there or made in Iran. Either way, no, it, it's not all of Hamas using AP ammo all the time, but on that first day, you know, the the no. the, the guys coming yeah. in, they were shooting AP ammo. Um, so, but all these things come into play together in how you have to adapt your tactics on the fly. And so on the fly, our forces started figuring that out the, literally the first day. And we're like, Hey, okay, we're going into a different mode of urban fighting. Um, and so, so that was, that was an interesting thing. Let's see. I saw a couple of questions pop up. I'm, I'm trying to follow the questions. So bear with me here. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Don't worry. Amory. We're saving, we're saving all the questions, brother. And, and you just kind of okay. keep rolling. We're going to get to a section where we're going to just do questions. So right, we'll just right. keep rolling with this for now. And that's why we're, we're starring them and putting them on a box for us. And, and we'll unpack right. them here in just a little bit, but, okay, but yeah, it's, uh, I just, I wish, I just wish people had the right information that, that people knew the truth of things of, of that's actually occurring. Um, because that there's some horror stories, guys. The, the, the things, stuff you couldn't, you you wouldn't even want to discuss that, that were done to humans by these by these non-humans. Because because yeah. the stuff that was done is, I, I as a fiction writer, I couldn't think up some of this terrible stuff. I was shocked, man. So anyway, yeah, uh, it's disturbing. Yeah, it's insane. And you know what? Very I got to nice. tell you, um being locked down in the the couple of weeks that I was down with with my back I literally I literally could not walk for about three weeks uh leading up to this flight um and you know it's one of those things my back went out I haven't I have an actual injury and you know it's something I'm dealing with but it was to me the most torturous period of my life including this trip to Israel and I'll you know I'll explain why in a second but um this is the most tortured I've ever personally felt in my life because here I am, my entire life is, you know, dealing with combat and tactics and shooting and all that stuff. And there's an actual existential war going on at home. And here I am just being a gimp locked up in my house, not, not being able to walk. So I've been doing a lot of thinking. One of the things that, you know, one of the things I hate most in the world on, on the planet is people saying, well, someone needs to do something, someone do something, right? That's, I, I hear that. And it's like my blood boils and I, 
because yep. there's no such thing as somebody do something. If something needs to be done, no. get your ass up and go do something about it. Right? Do it. Live <laughs> so that old live I, that old adage, be the change you want to see. You know, something needs done, like you just said, get up and then fucking do it. Now's the time. So I, I feel for you. I know you were you're dying inside, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. when you said you're doing a lot of thinking. I started to call you out on that one because I know you a lot of thinking. It's like a carried away. Let's keep this between the lines, dude. Just let him think his thoughts. Um, no, but what, what 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 I was thinking, you know, is look, you know, while I'm here, uh, yes, I've been dealing with you know sending gear over and that kind of thing from from day one and all that. But really, you know, I I think what what one of the things I'm going to start doing is really being out in public more like this and trying to get people the actual the actual knowledge the actual information i'm no expert on anything i'm no historian i'm no political scientist but i have a lot of experience in in that region and in everything going on um and and so i feel like the education front um you know i gotta i gotta take part in it because i can do that even while i'm you know injured at home so that's why, you know, things like this, I'm, I'm, you know, this is great. Let's try to get, like you're saying, let's try to get people yeah. the information that's true. Um, because, uh, because there's just so much garbage going around. Right. And, and it's all, you know, this is fifth generation warfare guys and Hamas really wasn't Hamas that figured it out. I think it was more Iran, but they all kind of fell into this years ago already into the, um, into the feeding fake news thing and creating a story to, you know, to show their side um, or, or their narrative to support their narrative. <laughs> and I've seen this with my own eyes with specifically even Hamas um, from 15 years ago already, uh, if not longer of things being essentially staged to show that we are to, to show that we are murderous and, you know, apartheid state, blah, blah, blah. And, if I hadn't seen with my own eyes so many cases of this where I was a soldier and, and saw something on the news the next day and was like, dude, I was there. That's not what happened at all. You know, um, I've seen kids get pushed into a gunfight, right? Like pushed from, you know, around the corner of a building, pushed into an active gunfight. And then once you fight up to there, you see there was an adult who probably pushed that kid who's standing there with a video camera, right? Um, you know, these are things that are a hundred percent staged and, and, uh, so it's not like all of a sudden they found, they figured out how to be master, you know, cyber warriors. They've been doing the same thing for years and years and years. They've just, uh, you know, they've started doing that before social media was even around. Right. And so having social well, media now where. And that, where they love yeah. little short video clips with no context, right? It just falls perfectly no into context, what that's it. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah. That's the that's the propagandist. Social media is the propagandist wet dream. Because, mm -hmm. like you said, there's there's never context. All we see is is the incident, and everybody judges it based on that. Nobody will do research to, to find out what really happened, what happened before, why were they there, what was going on. And, and, and people gobble up, they consume propaganda at the highest rate of any time in history right now, even during World War II. The propaganda that's being produced is, number one, extreme high quality. 
uh, and number two can be disseminated with the click of a button to the entire world. It's and most people are just too damn ignorant or apathetic to to do a little bit of work on their own to find out the truth. And Israel is is constantly being demonized um, by a lot of nations. And when we look in, inside our own, it's insane to see the anti-Semitism that's happening here. And then you look at our federal government, this occurs and they come out with a, a anti-Islamic uh, thing they want to do right after Israel's attacked. I don't know if you saw it, but Kamala Harris comes out with this whole anti-Islamic thing, you know, push that the feds are going to do while Hamas is attacking Israel. Or anti-Islamophobia. Yeah, I'm sorry. Islamophobia is, is where I was going. But but uh, they were anti-Islamophobia while Israel's being attacked and defending itself. So they already started to frame it to say, can't be making, can't be giving Muslims a hard time. Can't, you know, can't be giving Muslims a hard time. So right. every Muslim isn't, isn't in Hamas, but every Israeli is guilty of genocide and apartheid and all these other things, every, you know. Right. It's like, it's insane. So. Yeah. And it's a crazy double standard, right? And people just yeah. don't understand. People don't understand, right? Um, there are even people that I was listening to beforehand that I really respected um, that when I then listened to what they have to say about this conflict, because, because I'm a lot more connected, because I'm in a way kind of inside of it, um, you know, I'm still very much in touch with people on the ground and my unit and, you know, a bunch of other people you know, uh, officers in the military had a lot of meetings and stuff with, with people over the last uh, couple of weeks when I was there. And, um, it's, you know, it's crazy. A lot of people that I've listened to, and I'll, I'll give even a couple examples. I listen and I'm like, huh, now I see a different angle because I know more about this topic than that specific person. And then all of a sudden I hear them saying things where I'm like, yeah, dude, that's, you shouldn't be saying that because that's, you're just guessing. You should say that's a guess and that's your feeling as opposed to posting it as a sort of a fact. Um, you know, you want, you want an example. This is a, maybe not the best example in terms of somebody I really liked in the past because I, I didn't give a shit about her, but, um, the whole, uh, what's her name? She, she's the one that got in all the trouble with Ben Shapiro. Um, Candace Owens. There are opinions oh, of hers in yeah, the past that I liked, right? There are opinions I liked. And then and then I heard that there's some mess going on with her or whatever, and I felt for whatever reason compelled to go on YouTube and see what she had to say. Well, I could only stomach about five minutes of what she had to say in this particular interview because what she was saying was so stupid. And I was like, I thought this was an intelligent person who actually researched what they were going to say. So she said, and I'll, I, I want to be specific with this because, uh, because this is one of those things, you know, do I think she's just doing this because she hates Jews and blah, blah, blah. No, probably not. Um, but, but here's an example, right? She, she said, well, she went to Israel and for some reason people go, well, I was there. So I know, no, you don't, you're still an idiot, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you're there for a photo op. You went for a photo op is what you went for. So she was like, well, I was there yeah. and she's not even talking about wartime, but she went to the old city of Jerusalem and she says, there's a, 
do you know that they have a Muslim quarter in Jerusalem? That means that they are taking all the Muslims in Jerusalem and segregating them into this neighborhood and they can't leave this neighborhood, right? She, she actually said this. She is so, this is like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Where really, this is how things yeah. get turned around, right? So for those of you guys who don't know, the old city of Jerusalem, which is not the whole city, it's a very, very small area right in the center of, of the city, right? Mm -hmm. Where the Temple Mount is and all that stuff. And that the, the old city was split up into four quarters. Uh, there is the Muslim quarter, the Armenian quarter, the Christian quarter, and the Jewish quarter. Is that because we're segregating everybody? No, dumbass. It's because those are the four peoples that really believe, you know, that is the center of their universe to varying degrees. And, and so the state of Israel was like, cool, we'll div divide this up. So each of these groups gets a feeling of part ownership in the city, right? So that's just one small example of how people are talking about things that they really don't know the first thing about, right? And so it's people like Candace Owens that in... It, I hear this and I don't even have to hear the whole thing, the utter stupidity of what she said. How can you respect that person as a, a knowledgeable human being ever again? Right. This person is an idiot and talks and, out of their head. And not only that, this is a person, this is a person that's involved in, in our politics. They're a politician that they, they've worked in administrations. This is, you would expect to be our best and brightest, you know, um, and, and going back to, the propaganda and what you're saying, like people saying stuff, Harvard University put out their statement, their president put out a statement talking about how anti-Semitism isn't, isn't allowed on campus and all this stuff and calls for mm -hmm. violence or genocide against the Jewish community or any religious or ethnic group are vile, have no place at Harvard. At Harvard. But just in front of a congressional hearing right after this, Right after they are right before they said this and sitting in front of Congress, President Gray refused to say whether calling for Jewish genocide is against the university code of conduct. So they're talking out of both sides of their, their mouth there. Oh, this is acceptable. Don't do it. But if you do, no one's going to do anything. You know, if it's you one of those actually, deals. If um, you actually and I want to run this by you guys. Hang on real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. If you actually watch her answer these questions. Right. Then it, then it's obvious. Right. Because yeah. you, you read what you just yeah. read and it's like, oh, shit, really? But then you watch her and it's just like that Mayorkas, you know, piece of shit who, you know, aggressively refuses to answer questions. Right. Uh, you, mm -hmm. Oh, well, in yeah. a certain context, in a certain context. Well, how about you put some context into your stuff? Yeah. You know. Yeah. How about you yeah. add the context? The the context is I saw a video on Twitter yesterday of some guys that rolled up to the southern border. Not to get us off subject, but just to mention this, rolled up to the southern border, and as soon as they stepped out of their trucks, there's hundreds of people coming through the fence. Border Patrol rushed them. There was yellow like police tape, and they said you cannot cross this line. If you cross this line, we're going to arrest you. And they're like, but all those people are crossing that line, and you're giving them cell phones, cash, and a bus ride. But if we step mm. over this yellow tape in our own country, you're going to arrest us. Just back to that, that mention that about my orcas. Now I want to ask you guys real quick. You want to keep rolling on here tonight? Cause we do have a bunch of questions instead of doing um, the, the after show. Let's sure. concentrate on this for a little while longer and let this run so we can get through it. Cause we've got a ton of questions and I know those are going to lead to other threads of conversation. Uh, and I want to wake T up at some point, get him to say something in here. About uh about the Taj. I'm just messing with you, T, because we're all here. 
Yeah, <laughs> she's just like, yeah. Is he asleep? I keep looking at his eyes. I'm like, but, yes. uh, but we do have guys. No, we do have to run a quick little, quick little uh, uh, promo. A couple things here for you guys, real fast, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna just stay on this and kind of for a while tonight and and work through it because I think this is important. Uh, I think more people need to hear about this stuff, and so uh, shameless plug time, and we'll be right back. For those of you who may not have heard of the Survival Series, the basic premise of it is as a post-EMP. The main character, Morgan Carter, is 250 miles from home in the state of Florida when this happens. And the the first book is just about him trying to get home. But as we all know, and most of us don't really think about, that's just the beginning. You know, that's why his whole route home is only one book. The rest of the books are trying to deal with this new world. And where we're at now, number 12 in the series Exploring Home, we're starting the rebuilding of that world. And it's going to look a lot different than what it looked like when we started, I think in a better way. That's the basic premise of it. And you know, and Morgan, our guy, he meets a lot of interesting characters along the way. He makes some great friends. A lot of bad stuff happens to him too, but you just gotta deal with it, you know? Ain't dead, can't quit. If you haven't heard of the Survival Series, check it out today, link's below. You can get it on Amazon, it's on Audible, e-readers, all your stuff. Um, check it out, I think you guys will like it. When I was a young man, all I wanted to do was go to the Marine Corps. But the recruiters told me my ASVAB scores were too high. Not funny. Oh, I love Sue. I love Sue. And for those of you guys, for those of you guys who didn't catch this, at the very end, did you hear the not funny? That's Robbie, um, Sue's wife, who was a Marine, and we make fun of her ad nauseum, and it's just the best. Yeah. Just, That's well, awesome. the, 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 as, as, as a, yeah, the Marine Corps is near and dear to my heart. I, I, I love my jarheads. We got one in the house tonight, egghead, brother. Semper Fi, I love you. You know that. I love my Marines. And to think that they would actually say your ASFAB score is too high, to me, is laughable. That's great. But to tell me that Sue's ASFAB score was too high? (laughs) Come on now. Yeah, but in all (laughs) honesty, it's a joke Sue's been making for years. (laughs) Oh, you know it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great one. I love it. That's why I laugh so so damn hard when I I hear that. Um, But, but yeah, it's... uh, Let's take a look at some questions, Amy, because I know this is going to stir up things we've already talked about, and as well as probably some new stuff. Um, yep. Let me see. <laughs> well, it's like right here. Here we go, guys. We, he showed up. Navy, Navy 95. I came here when I found that Emory was going to be on. So you got a fan club, bro. You just don't even know it. Yet. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, let me see. We're not going to do that. We're, let me see. Yeah, so, so thank you, Green here, says... You know, they've got a full court press the news trying to make the IDF the bad guys. My answer is they brought it on themselves, and a lot of it is made up stuff or things from years ago because they are recycling video. We know Hamas is doing that. They're yeah. also using AI-generated video currently. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And and where's the Israeli government? I mean, I, I know because they're, they're pointing it out, but how much of this stuff are we seeing as actually old footage that's not from this current action? Is it a, is it a yeah. considerable amount? I mean, what's the official kind of narrative on that? It's interesting what I have noticed and I, you know, I'm not one of those people that peruse social media much um, to say the least. Right. I I can't even keep up with my own social media. Um, I would say that I have seen less, not none. I have seen less recycled stuff and more, uh, more new fake stuff. And by fake, I mean either something that's, that's violently out of context or, uh, I have seen a lot of the, a lot of the AI generated stuff. I've seen a ton of that. 
And I think for the most part, that stuff is reasonably easy to pick out as fake. Uh, If you look at it, you don't have to know Israel that well. And the local clues you can see on the image, you can see messed up things, right? There's the things from how AI doesn't know how to do hands and fingers to six fingers on a hand and four fingers on a hand. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I I have a very good friend who does is dabbling in AI art. Um, He's been an artist for a long time and he's been dabbling with that for the last few months. And I noticed that actually with him doing that a few weeks, a few weeks ago, and I was like, yeah, really cool thing. But why is the hand all fucked up? And he's like, oh, well, to explain the whole thing about how AI can't, you know, the, the human hand is uh, even the the in, in the Renaissance, right? They had a terribly hard time, those tremendous artists actually painting hands. Yeah. Um, and apparently computers have a similar issue. But But that's just one, right? Like a lot of these things you look and you go, mm, that's fucking fake. Right. Um, it's just, yeah. and if you get that sixth sense, you know, where you're like, mm, I don't know about this, then, then always take the safe route and just assume that's not a real image. Uh, you're, you're safer that way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah images are right. powerful. Videos are question. even more powerful. Yeah. But, but you have it, to know it, how, it, to, how to, how to, this, 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 read between the lines and figure out for yourself. This, it's the propagandist. Yeah wet dream right now that's this gets going on uh our good buddy will asks, how can we support the idf you mentioned the website is, is your is, is that still ongoing your your uh so I mean, no, i'm gonna call it go find me because i didn't say that but right yeah I, I look i would say this first of all anybody who wants to help support the idf uh you're my brother and i love you or sister um and i appreciate that what i would say is for now hold off uh, here's why I say that. Uh, hold, hold off on the on the given money thing. The given money thing, it's kind of an easy button. A lot of people are asking for stuff. I would hold off on that right at this point. Um, and we can get into the gear thing in a bit. What I would say is, let me let me try to answer that the actual question there. The way to support right now what's going on and support the IDF specifically is I think through being an active member of disseminating truth. That is the biggest thing right now that every single person can help and, and be a part of this fight. That's where we're really losing. We're losing, and, and, and Israel always has, and I've never been secretive about saying this. We've always been losing in the PR battle against um, against the Palestinians. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. Um, yeah. Because... Israel's always preferred to keep things quiet uh, when it comes to military action in the sense that we are protecting our soldiers in terms of tactics, in terms of locations uh, and that kind of thing. And, and so that's kind of where that personality of just shut up and do your work comes from where we're on the other side. And I think, I think the, their kind of PR system, if you will, um, of the bad guys doing this for, you know, started in like the first Intifada, which is, um, you know, in the late eighties, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 87, 89 ish, they're going into 90. Um, Hey, by the way, when was Hamas created? 87. Um, when did it really start as a body? Yeah. Right. So, um, 
ever since then, they've been really good. They, they figured out, hey, if we just show a picture of, you know, of a dead Palestinian kid, then we can write whatever story into that, you know, on, on, underneath that picture that we want. And that's what the world gets because yep. Israeli soldiers aren't walking around taking battlefield pictures of everything. As a matter of fact, you know that like my whole thing with tactical riflemen and everything, right? Carl's got five trillion pictures of Carl in the army. I have I have exactly three, right? Because that's kind of how we were. There's there there are no pictures. There are and, and that's called OPSEC, right? We take OPSEC very, very seriously. Yeah. Well, yeah. without knowing it we got ourselves into position of losing this PR battle that we never thought would be a thing in relation to military action. Yeah. So it's an, yeah, you don't see many IDF guys running around with GoPros on like, like, like you do Ukraine, you would get all this, we get all this combat footage, but you're not seeing the IDF guys running around with GoPros. Like that's so, and, and for the now, right reasons. Up until now, a hundred percent true. Starting to. Right? Okay. Yeah. 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 Right now. Yeah. Um, post invasion during this invasion and because of October 7th soldiers, uh, many soldiers now have GoPros um, and <clears throat> the military Good. keeps a pretty tight leash on it, but there is, you'll see a lot of, a lot of footage. Um, it, most of it is not super graphic stuff because the army won't, the, our military doesn't want a lot of violent stuff just coming out, but um, but it's starting to be a necessary thing. And so you will see more helmet footage from this conflict from our side. Um, and, and I think that's. Yeah. And, an and we are seeing some, some like from the hospital where, yeah, this is a hospital, but here's the tunnel complex that goes under it. Let's go show you what's down here, folks. Let's go show you the things, you know, let's this, this chair actually in the, inside the hospital had a hostage tied to it. Here's how we could tell, you know, here's the, mm -hmm. here's the evidence-based facts. And we're going to yeah. give those to you now. So I do think they need to do it a little more. But like you said, keep a leash on it. You know, uh, yeah. they got to be careful. Otherwise, yeah. put people's lives at risk. So here's a here's yeah, another there's... great one. Uh, I don't even know if, it's just, if you, is there any idea of the current ground situation? I don't know. It's a little bit of a vague question, but kind of give if you can, if you can, a uh, bit of an overall sort of a, the, the 10,000 foot. Here's where we're at. This is kind of the objective yeah. we're working at the moment, not even later, but yeah. right now. Well, let me start off with this. First of all, I think that's the number one most, the second most poignant question to ask right now, right, is what's actually going on on the ground? Um, kind of two pieces to, to how I'm going to answer this. One is um, I don't know all the details, right? as involved as I am with people over there right now that are boots on the ground. And I'm talking to guys in my unit who are out and, you know, getting out for some R and R and going back in and all that and, and various other people. I still, I don't know. And it's a good thing, right? That people that are not physically there don't mm -hmm. know exactly where our forces are. That's how it should work. And that is how it's being handled. Um, so that's one. So I can't tell you specifics for, you know, on who's where exactly and all that. And that's how it should remain. What I will say is I do believe, and, and those of you guys who know me know that I am uh, I'm very critical of our military. And I'm not critical in a negative fashion. I'm critical because the only way to get things done correctly is to be critical. 
right? Uh, you go into uh, yep. any sort of SF debrief of whether it was a, a, a even a, a training event, right? Um, you know, you go and do a a Krav Maga session. You come out of it. The first thing you need to do is do a debrief and go, all right, what went wrong? What could have been done better? And 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 who messed up so that we know how to fix things, right? Um, so that's where I'm coming yeah. from and being critical. And despite that, I would say that for the most part, our military and, and big shout out specifically to our infantry forces, uh, because, because they, they have the toughest job because they get the least amount of training, the least amount of oh. tools <laughs> and all that. Right. And not to speak of the fact that, yeah. and that's, that's the active duty infantry. That's not the reserve forces yeah. infantry, which, which please remind me, I'll explain the reserve thing here in a minute. But, uh, and, and despite all of that, they're actually doing quite a good job. And I will say this, uh, I will say this on day one, uh, October 7th. And we know this from a lot of the footage as well as, you know, you know, speaking to people that, that were there fighting that day, some of those first waves, right. Um, of, of terrorists that came into Israel, uh, you can see, you can see that they have gotten uh, a lot of training. Now they're not Navy SEALs mm -hmm. by any stretch, but you can see that they have taken their capabilities to a whole new level from where they were. Having said that, Hamas guys are still Hamas guys, bunch of monkeys running around with AKs, and um, and so when a military force works correctly and and is not behaving in a lazy fashion i'm talking on the individual level when a so, when soldiers when all soldiers are are doing their job and keeping their sectors of fire and remain remembering all the basic infantry rules like don't walk in front of a window um when they keep yeah. all that yeah maintaining you know, maintaining separation doing all your your basic infantrymen basic soldier skills is what you're saying yep. yeah yeah. So when yeah. you remember your basics and it's, listen, it's so easy. It is so easy to be complacent on your basics, right? Because you're, you're working around, mm. it, you know, not only windows and doorways, right? Anything that can expose you, you have to be aware of every piece of cover and concealment, every uh, fatal funnel, um, all those things. Yeah, and, every every murder hole, every every RPG blast hole in a building, every every yeah. crater, every culvert, every like you just said, every everything. Because the infantry, like you said, they're the most exposed. They're not mm -hmm. in armor. They're not. They're not a kilometer back lobbing mortars in. They're they're the tip. They're boots on the ground. Uh, you know, in direct so, contact. So, direct so contact. let's get into so, a so little they bit have of the, the hardest job. I'll 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 not divulge because this is out there. It's not, you know, some thing that you can only get here yeah. type of type of piece of news, but I will, you know, let's talk a little bit about tactics on the soldier level. What they are doing now is the military has kind of restructured its fighting groups um, in organization in terms of this invasion. This has actually been going on for a few years of, um, you know, probably 10, 15 years of kind of rearranging how battle groups work in Israel. And they are now implementing in a very, very good way the combination 
between infantry and armor and combat engineering corps. And of course, relating all of that and tying it into uh, air force and artillery capabilities. And they're doing a very good job. Yep. And so if you just send in, uh, you know, a uh, infantry battalion, if you sent them in, like they would have been sent in 20 years ago, they'd get slaughtered. If you sent in just yeah. a group of tanks by themselves, uh, they'd get messed up. Murder. And so Murder. it's interesting yeah. because a lot of this modern fifth generation warfare stuff, we think everything's got to be new and all that. But a lot of it, if you go back to some of the tactics that were used, even all the way back to World War II, there's some tactical gems in there that, have been reincorporated into the modern battlefield to make our military succeed. And <laughs> excuse me, and add on top of that, now you 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 let the soldiers work in a good way, add to that the technological capabilities, such as the new defense systems on the on our modern tanks, and you're getting this new way to get the mission accomplished. Um, and so yeah. <clears throat> So by employing new tactics like that, where you have literally tank divisions and infantry working in unison um, in the streets, um, you're 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 kind of recreating this equation of um, you know of of strength of ability to move forward. Uh, because understand that literally moving a block. Uh, like a city block right now can take days right in that setting a because yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of rubble uh, especially in the north and understand that the yeah uh, this is going back to the previous question right current ground situation the first phase of the war meaning from initial ground invasion up until this ceasefire thing that happened last week um was done in one way. Well, after that, we've now started a new phase. So phase one was essentially splitting the Gaza Strip, which is like, what, 365 uh, square kilometers, not miles, kilometers. It's a very small piece of land. It's like, you know, it's like 30 by 20 kilometers-ish, something like that, 30 by 15 kilometers. Uh, that's the whole Gaza Strip. So they split it into two and started in the north, and then after the ceasefire started getting into the south, what people need to understand is, first of all, we have not taken over 100% of the north, right? The northern part of the Gaza Strip. We have taken over by now a, a, a very good portion of it, but there is still a lot of work to do just in the north. Then when they restarted, right? Because at first they just encircled that whole area, right? We had... Um, we had a couple of divisions go in there and literally encircle all those cities in the northern part of the Gaza Strip and start squeezing in, squeezing in, and one neighborhood at a time, one little area at a time. Um, and that work is incredibly slow and difficult by definition because moving forward there, yep. not only do you have a lot of rubble to deal with and blocked roads and all that and booby traps and guys are popping up and shooting cornet missiles at tanks and that kind of thing. Um, cornet missiles are, are rushing. Yeah, I was going to say, and don't forget the, the, the Gaza Metro. Don't forget about the Gaza Metro, too. So not only are they fighting on the top, 
they got to worry about what they're walking on the entire time. So that's what I'm getting to exactly. So you cannot, so you have these peers, um, you have these peers that, that come out of the ground. It could be inside a building. It could be outside of a building and most of them look like nothing, right? Until you've actually uncovered and you're looking down into the hole, um, from 20 meters away, most of these are very difficult to see. And you cannot have a situation where a military advances too fast and then is able to be, um, uh, to, to is, gives them an opportunity to pop up behind your forces. Right. Um, and so you have to make yep. sure that you find every single peer before you move out of this, this grid square. And, um, and, and so all of that is very difficult. Now, this also gives us an advantage, right? Because if you think about it, who knows that land better, us or them? Well, them, because they live there. They live that land every day, except for one factor, which is that land doesn't look like it did three weeks ago, right? And so, and so no, they can come out. Uh, no, don't. There's been some remodeling done. <laughs> There's been some remodeling, right? And so they come out of a pier and half the times they're like, well, shit, I have no idea where I am because all I see is rubble instead of yeah. like that building there. And there's Habib's house over there, you know, and grandma lives over here. Um, but still we have to be very methodical about how we move forward. Now, after the ceasefire, we've changed tactics a little based on thanks Biden and Harris um, for sending out all the wrong messages. Appreciate it. Um, but because of the American mm, pressure yeah. specifically, because we cannot afford to lose our literally only friend in this. Right. Um, and so yeah. they're saying, look, minimize casualty, uh, you know, minimize Palestinian casualties. They don't care about our casualties, minimize Palestinian casualties and do it quickly. Oh, and by the way, give them three times the gas in the blah, blah, blah that you're, that you're allowing to. So we're, we are literally feeding our enemies while we're yeah. trying to get the job done. Right. Um, right. So yeah. what they've done is, is now in the Southern part, they have split Gaza. I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen those little maps where they've split it into tons of tiny, tiny, tiny little sectors. And it's easier for us to actually control and manage who goes where and where are safe zones that we can have civilians in to, to minimize, to minimize civilian casualties, which for the record, let me say this unequivocally, the world didn't need to say a single thing about minimizing civilian casualties and Israel would have done it anyway. Okay. That is a fact. Um, so uh, it's, important they've always gone out of their way. In my opinion, if you're, if you're educated in, in that region of the world in the least bit, They've Israel's always gone out of their way from from sending out mass text messages into this into Gaza to dropping leaflets to whatever they had to do to get to tell those people, look, you need to leave because because we're yep. coming because some of your people did some shit and we're coming to deal with it. So I remember years ago, I read a book about about the Mossad and, and um, it was they said that kind of like the unofficial uh, Mossad creed was you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. That's, there, there's no other position. You're either part of the problem, you're part of the solution. So them going to those lengths to tell the civilians that kind of kind of delineates that, doesn't it? If you're not part of the problem, you're going to unask the AO, Ricky Tick, go someplace else and, and let the mm -hmm. problem be dealt with by by the solution that's coming down the road. So this this is where it gets done, convoluted. Above and beyond, in my, my opinion. 
Yeah, look, I, I can give you a hundred examples from uh, just from my service, me, me, things I experienced there. I can give you hundreds of examples of um, where we knew nobody was looking and all that, and you can do whatever you want, but you know, but still, you we behave under our code of uh, of ethics, right? I'm not talking about you know laws of war and whatever. That's all bullshit to me. And, and the reason I say that is because ethics are above yeah, yeah. those laws, right? And and so they're they're we're, we are stricter with ourselves and with our soldiers than the law requires you to be. I'll give you examples. I can't count how many times I've been shot at, had Molotov cocktails thrown at me, rocks, uh, uh, propane tanks, and all kinds of stuff, and was not allowed to even shoot back. Right, um, a billion times. You know, uh, there's, there's, I can tell stories for, you know, until the cows come home of, you know, of those kinds of things from my personal experience. Um, so when we uh, often, you know, I've always said Israel is, in my opinion, that the, the IDF is the most humane fighting force. And we are the most humane fighting force I've ever encountered. Um, but we're still a fighting force, right? Fighting is ugly. Yeah. And you try to do it in yeah, the wars. Wars ugly thing. Possible. Yeah, it's ugly. It's ugly. Well, since we're since we're kind of talking about talk, since we brought up the Gaza Metro, we've got a, we've got a couple questions here, uh, and one of them is from uh, the illustrious Miss Kim Piner. How are you doing in Colorado this this evening, sweetie? Uh, she says, "Have they gone ahead to flood the tunnels with seawater yet?" She she had read where they were talking about flooding Gaza tunnels. Now I've seen a lot of the engineers, and hats off to the IDF engine combat engineers. Those guys are freaking amazing, dude. Like like for real. But and there's going to be a follow up on the tunnel question, so that's why I wanted to ask you about it. So there's that one. Have they flooded them yet? And then the second question is this: um, Can you tell us anything about those expanding foam grenades they've used they developed for sealing tunnels? Which sounds like a bad idea. I think better way to deal with the tunnels to collapse it. But uh, where are we at on on the Gaza Metro at the moment? How's uh, how's maintenance running downstairs? <laughs> so this is a whole, <laughs> this is a whole can of worms. Uh, both these questions have to be. I'll answer both of them. They're both good questions. Let's talk about flooding the tunnels first. There are two problems with flooding the tunnels. Um, to the best of my knowledge, no, that's not being done yet. Flooding the tunnels is such a problematic topic right now for two reasons. The first reason is um, technological, it's, is the ability to actually do it. So let's start with that. The second question, of course, being the ethics of doing it, not in terms of killing terrorists. They need to die. I don't care yes. how, and I hope they die in the most horrific ways possible. Um, possible. The problem is they're probably holding many of the hostages in this tunnel system. And, and this is probably the, and there could the be big, civilian, just civilian Palestinians down there as well, which no, is problematic. It. Oh, I, I doubt, I doubt that. Really? Yes. Yeah. Hamas is okay. actually keeping them out. Um, hmm. which is a third question. Really? Let's, let's, let's get into this. So let's, let's first discuss, mechanically how to do this right so if you think about this each tunnel i'm not a numbers guy maybe uh maybe russ can help me out here if you th calculate the volume of a tunnel 
right? The inside volume of a tunnel. That's a lot of water. Yeah. That's a lot of water. Yeah. And if you want to fill and there a are, space like that goes for miles, yeah. right? What, what is the volume of, of hundreds of miles? Yep. What is the volume of something yeah. that is, you know, six and a half feet high, maybe five feet wide and goes unknown a number of miles in with rooms and offshoots and all that stuff. So what you're Branch talking about is branches and, yeah. they literally don't make pumps big enough for this. They, they literally do not make yeah. on earth pumps big enough for this. So on a technological front, I mean, you would, you would think, all right, just, we know we have water pumps. Just build a bigger water pump. Yes. Except this is, yeah. this is in combat. You're not building it like at home in some facility and running it there. You have yeah. random places yeah. in the field, right? Inside of a combat zone that you can't far, drive truck to. Far from the coast, too. Far from the coast, you know. Not Correct. nowhere near the beach. This isn't happening so on the beach in Gaza, you know. Exactly. I mean, it is. Now, I, I'm, some of the tunnels go to the beach. I'm sure there are, you know, I, yeah. I don't know where these things are. I haven't been there in a minute. I've been to some tunnels, but they're not. It's not now. It's been years since I was in the tunnels. Um, but, uh, yeah. matter of fact, I had a buddy that took a role that I was supposed to have that, that had one of those tunnels collapse on him, um, years ago, but getting the water there and getting the water there in that kind of volume is a inhuman feat, you know, it's incredibly difficult. And so they've had yeah. people on this for a long time. And that's, so that's step one of this technology thing. It's actually not, you know, it's not high tech in the sense of, you know, drones and GPS guided, blah, blah, blah. It's a pump and just pushing enough water through a, a hole. Sounds simple. It's really, really, really difficult. So on that front, really? that's on the technological front. That's why it, it hasn't been done in the past. Um, that's that on a and, and they're pretty close. I mean, that ability, it's not like. It's not like how do we deal with the tunnels only came up in the last 60 days or 61 days, right? This is a thing we've yeah. been dealing with for <laughs> yeah. decades. And there's a section in my old yeah. unit devoted specifically to locating and destroying these tunnels. This is not a new thing. Um, a cute little anecdote. When that section was started, I was asked to go be the first team leader of this. And so I, I was on a little vacation and I came back and they're like, Hey, we're starting this new section of the unit. You want to be a team leader for the first team? And I was like, hell yeah. What do they do? And then they described what they do. And I was like, fuck no, I'm not no. touching that with your dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Only, only demons and, and bats live underground. I, that shit ain't for me. I'm not going, I don't like underground. I'm not a big fan of it. So yeah. I, so I about just, this, yeah, uh, that was, and, Another point, too, to flooding the tunnels to think about is the aquifer. You could potentially be poisoning yourself by inducing seawater into the aquifer. Yeah, I've, I've heard but, of this. But think about uh, how um, deep they go, how far they go, and how, and how much seawater you're going to pump inland into the ground. Okay, so that could this be a problem, is me, you know. Uh, this is me guessing, right? Because I don't, this is not something I know for sure. I don't think that they get a ton of their water, their drinking water from underground aquifers. Oh, whether they are there right. or not, I don't they know. got desalination plants. No, they don't. We do. Yeah. And we provide them water. Um, 
Yeah, we provide the electricity. Yeah, we that's provide okay. I was talking about Israel. I wasn't talking about Gaza. Yeah, I was, I was talking about Israel kind of kind of contaminating their own water, but I forgot. They're running desalination plants. That's how you guys get your water. And then, the politely enough, you pump that into Gaza for free for them. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I've heard that spoken about on the news. I don't know that to be the actual issue. I don't think. And, and plus, you know what? With considering we have desalinization capabilities and can source water other places, um, and considering I don't think that they're getting the majority of their water from underground sources in Gaza, um, and yeah. you know Hamas has yeah. been known and proven to actually take out their water piping for for potable water to make yeah. weapons out of, right? So make rockets. To, make to me, up. at least, yes. yes. So to me, the whole contaminating groundwater thing is not a thing. Um, you know, I, okay. could I possibly right. be wrong on that? Sure, uh, but but I'm I'm pretty sure that's. Well, I, I agree with you because I, I just wasn't I just wasn't thinking it was a if, as as from my perspective as a guy wherever I show up, my first question is where's the water? Where's the where's our water? It just kind of pops yep. in my head. So then, so right. then we know then that blasting them is, is big business and they're collapsing these things day and night. But what about this expanding foam grenades? Have you, have you seen okay. anything like this or are you familiar yeah, with what you're talking that. about? It's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm very familiar because that's a thing that's done. in again, in my unit um, and uh, what that is, it's a really cool thing. It's uh, uh, it, it's a chemical reaction between two components, right? You have two liquids and when you mix them, they turn into this, this whole uh, Mentos in a Coke bottle type of thing. And it's yeah. cool. It's a very, very good tool, but understand that doesn't take care of that tunnel problem. All that does is seal off that side of, of a shaft, right? So <laughs> you're effectively just closing a door. You're not dealing with a problem. So <clears throat> where yeah. something like that tactically is very, very useful is my forces found appear like this, I can seal it off and keep moving and know that these guys aren't going to pop up behind me from that location, but it's not dealing with that. That yeah, thing. It's a, yeah. It's area denial. It's, it's a good area denial tool, basically access yeah. denial, area denial, whatever you want to call it. So it's like so putting a landmine. That's pretty cool. Though. I mean, like, yeah. if you think about yeah. it, yeah. a minefield now, doesn't stop an army. Yeah. Right, a minefield. No, a minefield buys you time. It delays a military, right? And that's yep. kind of like with this. So you're, you're, or you could steer them. You could steer them that way, or you can make them slow down to clear it, or try to go around it and end your ambushes or or whatever. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Same now thing. there's a couple of. Uh, there's one really nice side effect to uh to these little plug bombs or whatever they're calling them, which is. While it's heating, uh, while, while, you know, there's some sort of, uh, I guess, exothermic reaction going on there, and it puts off some pretty nasty yeah. chemicals. So if you're down there and you're anywhere oh. near it, even if you're not enveloped by it, you're you're breathing in this stuff that's probably going to make you have your your worst last day ever. Um, so that's kind of a nice side effect. Yeah. Just thought oh, I'd that's throw great. That that's a nice it. side effect. Yeah, that's yeah. There we go. <laughs> We're going to circle back because earlier you you told us to remind you to do this, but but Will asked the question. 
how well trained would you say your reserves are? And you said, remind me to talk about the reserves and we're going to follow yeah. this up with another one here in a minute, but let's talk about your reserves real quick. And we got a second reserve question. So let's talk about reserves. Cause I know, like you said, that's the, that's the bulk of the IDF and T I'm, I'm not picking on you, bro, but if you've got something to say, jump in, man, anytime. I'm just, I don't want you to think I'm not thinking about you. It's just, uh, you know, Dude, we I see you down there, man. Mama said, if you ain't got Mama nothing, Mama smart said. to say. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a little well, out of well, league. I guess I'll shut guys, up, man. You guys are the experts in this. Yeah. But before we get into this, uh, oh, let, let me ask you this uh, before we go. Well, I'll tell you what. Circle back to it. Answer answer, Will here, because I'm I'm interested in this as well. You know what, T? I, I want to so hear more of your because, because your questions are two probably going to be a, a, a lot more similar to a lot of other people's Lately. questions. All right. No, no, it's good. Well, it's, it's, well it's, and here's, here's the thing, too. Is, T, T, T yeah. go ahead and ask your question, because well, we got these on a list, and you might forget yours, because, you know, I don't want you to forget. I'm drifting off. I'm drifting good. off, you know, kind of dazed and confused over here. <laughs> no, it's um, speaking of our own doorstep right here, all right? What's the repercussions here in the United States? What's some of the trickle over that we're going to see? I mean, that's that's what I want to know as well. I mean, of course, stuff over in Israel and stuff, you know, I mean, it's it's horrible. We, we don't want this happening. But other than all the propaganda that we're seeing here in the United States and all this craziness going on, what else could this this lead into, do you think? You know what, T, that's like one of the best questions there is. Um, it, it's really. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up, because. My biggest concern with this is not, is Israel going to be around tomorrow? Because rest assured, it is going to be around tomorrow, right? Um, this is not an existential threat in the sense that Hamas is going to come over and take over all Israel. That's not going to happen. Um, I think the, the much, much bigger threat than just Israel is understanding that everybody's calling this the israel hamas war or the israel palestine war it's not guys it's not the israel palestine war understand that this is so 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 much bigger this war affects our life here and you're gonna you're already seeing it for those of you guys who haven't been paying attention but of course if you're watching this obviously you have been paying attention um but israel is almost always the canary in the coal mine for what's going to happen in other places. Um, you take the uh, 2003 invasion of Iraq and Israel leading up to it was like, America, listen, we have some experience dealing with this. Here's what it's going to look like. And then America was like, oh, we're America. We kick ass. And so we go in and kick ass. And, and we did. We did, except we went in and we're like, oh, shit, I didn't think of this. Oh uh, yeah, the Jews did say something about it, yeah. you know, um, and and so that that's been true throughout the ages, um, the ages. I mean, Israel's been around since '48, not that long, um, but but a lot of these things that happen over there tend to start happening in other places in similar ways, and uh, and and the sooner we can all be awake, awake. Uh, 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 the sooner we can all be awakened to, oh my God, this is what is kind of happening in other places, the sooner we can start dealing with it and keep our home here safe. So 
a lot of people are concerned with, well, there's probably Hamas sleeper cells here. Okay, yeah, there probably are, but that's not my big concern, right? Um, there are a lot of Iranian sleeper cells here. Yeah, sure, I'm sure there are. Again, not the biggest concern. My biggest concern right, right now in America is not some terrorist going up and blowing himself up in a, a shopping mall or in the street somewhere. Um, I'm not saying I'm not concerned about that. I want to be able to mitigate that. And I think that is a credible threat, but that's not the biggest threat. The biggest threat is us being taken over from the inside socially. And the ground has already been yeah. set for that. Yeah, that's the biggest threat because no, that 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 insurgency is underway. That's that's the fight, the existential fight that we are currently in. That's not what we're afraid is going to happen. Everybody needs to understand you're living it. And all those people that say, "Oh, when do you think it's going to go down? When do you think it's going to go down?" It's going down. You're living it. And one day, if you're lucky, you're going to be able to look back and be like, "Well, that was the last straw that broke the camel's back. That was the, that was the final trigger that set the bomb off." But all the groundwork, it's it's being done. It's been done for the last decade i mean the job site here is being prepped guys you're already in the fight you don't even know it yet it's happening exactly. now right now and that's why that as question before, the, i'm sorry t one thing the question before yeah. of, hey how do i how do i get in and help right can i can i give money for gear or whatever that's why my answer wasn't hey go give your money to this organization or whatever even though you know i'm i'm correlated to some of these that's not the call to action my call to action of everybody here is wake up spread the correct information right and keep america america right we are the last bastion trust me we truly are the last bastion of freedom and we cannot let america fall to what's going on <clears throat> and so you know this is a a crucial thing we need to stand up we need to have a voice and uh, and we need to be able to call an enemy an enemy, right? We've gotten way too far into political correctness, not even going to go into the woke thing and all that, but that but that's kind of what I'm discussing. We've gone so far into, well, I can't say this because I might make somebody uncomfortable. Hey, wake up. We got really severe shit going on and we have to say we have yeah. severe shit going on so that we can deal with it because if we keep ignoring it, Guys, they've already won, right? They've already won uh, if we take that stance. Well, so they're, every and they are winning. The, 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 they are, they are yes. winning uh, right now. The, the, the tool is fear. The, the weapon is fear. Excuse me, not the tool, but the weapon is fear. Fear of losing your job or fear of social stigma. Guys, this isn't shit to be afraid of. If you're self-censoring, and I don't mean out of politeness because that's that's it's just the, the the correct thing to do, but I mean in the overall, if you're self censoring all the time, oh, I wouldn't say that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't be doing. You're letting them win. The old adage of oh, it's, we need to be we need to bear our guns. You know they're they're, they're bringing up assault weapons bans again. Um, it's time to bear your guns. No, as I've always said, when people think it's time to bury guns, it's time to be digging them up. Not to say that we need to be out committing uh, acts of violence. I now's not the time. This isn't it. That time may come. But we're going to have to, we're going to be on the defense. We're not going to be the offensive actors when this occurs. You guys need to understand it because the offensive actors are already here. Their plans are well laid out and well into motion. And someday we are going to be on the defense. It's going to be just like with Israel. 
there will be a time when when you won't be able to deny it anymore that that the the threat is here the fight is now um metals meat hitting the meat and, and we can't ignore it but we can't let it get to that and we're we're allowing it to happen we're sleepwalking right into it uh, and and like Emory said it's not just here this is this is globally there's yeah, an Europe op, there's Europe a, is a few steps ahead on. of us in and, and Israel stands against oh they're many steps ahead of us if people say well what's next here look at england look at germany look at those countries and see the rights that have been stripped from those people that's what's coming for you that's the plan the only thing holding them up here the biggest hurdle they have are firearms there's too damn many guns in this country for them to get real sporty and we can spin off another shit we won't we'll talk about some of this another time but 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 just to your point it's it's happening you're right and it's happening here it's happening now Wake up and realize that. Accept it. Stop pretending like it's not, and and and, and get your ass ready and and be vocal. Start saying yep. it. Stop being afraid and letting this tiny ass minority of assholes in this country cow you into silence. Fuck them. You know. Say what you got to say. Speak the truth. You got nothing to be ashamed of if you're speaking the truth. And if you're wrong, be man and stand up and say, "Hey, that's what I thought, but I was mistaken. Bad on me." So all you can do, you know, and but, but Chris, let me clarify something here. Don't a be second afraid no more. I want to make sure that people understand what we are saying is not take up arms and go find, find bad guys. And no. that's not at all what we're saying. What we're saying no. is normal no. Americans, us, we all need to stand up and have a voice and be heard because the empty can rattles the most. And so all the noise we've heard for the last bunch of years has been from the fringe group of morons, right? And that's, oh, yeah. well, they're making so much noise, so we have to appease them. Um, no, no. The normal, intelligent American needs to all, all of us stand up and be like, hey, this is what's going on, and, uh, and we have to hold our government accountable. Our government has to do the right things. and. Obviously, we're getting into this big thing because we can't just switch governments and put in the right people, right? But they have to be made aware of the fact that they are they're effectively letting our country essentially uh, go down in flames here when when this kicks off. So, yeah. you know, it's very important hey, for very us. Very soon here, we're, we're going to do – let's do a whole show based on this because I don't think people quite grasp the scale of what's going on. This is global. Like you said, that, that, that tiny fringe, extreme, crazy ass minority that exists in the world that, that, that espouses some of these crazy views is being amplified for a reason. All of this stuff is happening for a reason. We could look around the world and see where it's advanced farther than it is here, but that's where we're going. But you guys, you, you just got to face that. That's the facts. That's where this is going. And I don't care who you think it is, the them, they, that's out there doing this. And I don't mean that as proper pronoun use, just the 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 elusive they. Who did it? They, oh, they're doing this now and they're doing that. I don't care who you think mm -hmm. they are, but they are. There is a, there's an op in motion. Um, and it's extremely complex. Uh, and it's not good for us. It's not good for us. But we'll do an entire show where we're going to talk about this. And we'll have Sue there, too, because Sue is a bit of a philosopher. And and I love hearing him, plus his experience, knowledge from three and around the world. Yep. But let's get back. I'm not, I just I, I'm going to make us U-turn, Emory, to get us back there. 
to the reservists in Israel. And because I know you wanted to talk about it and we got people that want to hear about it. And then I'm going to throw a couple of questions right on the end of the reserve thing here too, to just to put some stuff together because we got some other great ones down below. But, but cool. The military, right. the IDF is bulk of it is reserve. So let's start with that. Okay. So let's approach it. it, it there are two topics here. I will answer Will's question second. Um, the first the first thing to understand here is the structure, right? The structure of our military. I'm not going to get into, you know, any compromising details, um, but, but the overall structure is, first of all, you have to make the separation between what we call, so there's, there's wartime. Okay. And there is uh, what we call Malam. It's the, um, the operations in between wars, right? The conflict in between wars, so that's your daily stuff. Because don't forget, in Israel, it's not like, oh, there's a war. Okay, so the army's got to work. The army's working every day. Um, and that mm -hmm. goes back to yeah. one of the previous questions about the military behaving in a, a police setting, as a, a police format, as opposed to military format, which was a very poignant thing to say there. So <clears throat> the majority of of the actual main active duty military is younger, right? Um, because it's a, a majority conscript army. And this is also something we can do a whole podcast on is how Israel should restructure its military, which I have a lot of thoughts on. But the bottom line is the active duty guys do the work every day. The reservists in the past, you were required to do one month a year of reserve duty. It could be all in one month. It could be in little sections, whatever. Special operations units work a little bit different. Like I've done a, a metric ton of reserve duty just in one year. I've done, you know, I've had years where I did well over six months out of a year living on post. Uh, but that's, that's kind of, let's set that aside a second because, uh, you know, my job there was not what most of these reservists are. Now, over the last bunch of years, it has gone, the threat assessment has gone away from uh, a, away from a, a conventional war and a lot more focus has been put on the conflict between the wars. And that for the most part can be taken care of by the active duty group. So when you get out of the military, you can't, you can't join the reserves in Israel, right? You do your, your minimal service is three years for guys, two years for girls. I think they've shortened it a little bit, but you know, by a month or two or whatever. And then after that, you are required to do reserve duty, uh, whether it's in your unit or maybe you get placed in a specifically a reserve unit. Um, but you go and once a year, um, and, and it might even be more sporadic than that now, you go and you do a little bit of training, blah, blah, blah. And then you go home. Okay. So the thought is when an all out war breaks out, the active duty guys kick it off and buy time to bring up, to call up all the reserve forces that takes time. They got to get there. They got to get the messages. They got to leave work or wherever they're at. They got to get to their base. They got to get issued their gear. They got to do a quick pre-deployment little training or whatever, the situation necessitates and then they have to actually get to where the fighting is to go join up the fighting. Right. So it's a very, um, you know, it's, it's this big lumbering 
thing that takes a lot of time. You're you're moving a lot of bodies and you know doing all this stuff. So over the yeah, last it's, couple, it's seconds, slow to get that huge ball rolling, but but mm -hmm. through sheer momentum and weight, once she is moving, you know, but it takes time to get it moving. Exactly, exactly. So over the last couple of decades, like I was saying, because we were kind of transitioning more into this conflict between the wars thing, as opposed to really focusing on, um, on an actual conventional war, um, what's happened is they have let go, in my opinion, criminally let go the preparation of the forces in terms of how well they're trained, how often they're trained and how well they are equipped. Um, the, the military in general has gone to more focus on uh, uh, bringing it, making the military a lot more technologically advanced as opposed to let's make these soldiers the most badass ground fighters there ever have been. Um, and, and that mind, it's a mindset and that mindset comes from, believe it or not, valuating, valuing human life because we want to make sure that our soldiers are, um, you know, that, that as many of our soldiers can survive the next fight as possible. And that to me is the wrong yeah. emphasis. The real emphasis should be yep. how do we win in the most effective way? And then yes. the lives of our soldiers should come in right underneath that. Because if the lives of our soldiers come above that objective, then it's going to yeah. make that objective much You'll harder. You'll never achieve it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, it, it, I mean, nobody wants to see soldiers dying, but they're soldiers. Uh, they're there for a purpose. They understand what they're doing. Right. And, and for Israel, they're always literally fighting for their lives. If they've got to go into a fight, they're literally fighting for their lives. This is, this is self, it's a zero sum game with them. You're either Israel will exist or Israel will not. So, you know, yep. I can understand that, but we're seeing a renaissance. It's like you're talking about how things are coming back. We're seeing a renaissance mm -hmm. in, in old tactics coming back of uh, the, 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 the resurgence now in, in HF. I know in American and the U S SF community learning HF now is a big thing. They're, they're worried about all the, the fancy gadgets, but simple and basic always works basic infantryman skills basic soldier skills combined arms those those simple things will, will always work um and i see that coming back around and it's and i hope that they do too that israel will get back to those the basic soldier skill the, the, the basic infantry movements combined arms artillery air air cover the whole thing so yeah so so they they I think that's true, Chris, and I think that is what's what is already happening, right? In the military, our military—it's yeah, already underway. Um, yeah, our military adapts very quickly to things. Um, that's one of the things that militaries need to typically have as a as a goal is is being able to adapt on the fly, right? Adapt and overcome. It's like the most overused thing, you know, term in military speak here. Right. Adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome. Well, that has to happen on a much larger scale than an SF team that can adapt and overcome. That's got to be the entire military. And right. I think the IDF has been doing a really good job at that based on what it has. It We have put ourselves in an uncomfortable situation of having reserve forces that are not trained enough. Uh, over the last few years, and I, I will say they're doing a great job. This is not, I'm not discounting what they're doing. 
they should be better prepared. Having said that, these reservists are coming in there and doing excellent work. And one of the reasons is one of the reasons is because we all know that it's a fight for our lives. When you go in and you get drafted into a war, you know, we all have this sense of connection and commitment and uh, we're going to go in and do the right thing. The second factor to that is how the military is disseminating its mission sets to all the people and how it is dictating the tactics to be used. Um, and those things in conjunction with each other are actually overcoming a lot of the ill preparedness that we have seen. And that also, I, I saw a couple of questions about, do these guys have the adequate gear? The bottom line is <laughs> a lot of them do not, right? There are gear issues. Yeah. There are severe yeah. gear issues. Um, and, and I, so, I so appreciate, I'm so grateful to all the people I've had a, a lot of, you know, a lot of people have been trying to reach me since this war broke out. My phone has gone insane to the point where it is permanently on silent and I get, I get literally hundreds of messages a day. So I apologize if you guys have tried to reach out and have heard nothing from me. Uh, but a lot of these people are trying to ask, Hey, what can I do to help? Can I, I've gotten like hundreds, literally no exaggeration. Hey, I have a spare helmet. I have a spare set of armor, blah, blah, blah. Can I send this over? And unfortunately the answer is no, you can't, it's not going to get there. It's not, you, you can't, you can't do that yeah. for a bunch of different reasons. We've had, yeah. we had shipments of uh, ceramic plates and different things that got there, got turned around and, and returned to sender because it's it's a military and the military has to accept gear in an organized fashion and it's got to be gear that they can test and yeah. make sure is of the standard we can't just take willy-nilly stuff yeah. and so your gear you may know that it's great or you may think that you know that it's great or whatever but it, it just doesn't work that way right and so i love everybody who's trying yeah. to be helpful I want you to understand why you can't just send a plate carrier over or why you can't just donate a thing to whatever. Um, but there are horrific, uh, horrific gear shortages. Um, I can speak to, let's see, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, trying to not say anything I'm not supposed to, but I can tell you that. So, so my job, <clears throat> if I were, in right now, which is a whole different thing. And, and uh, I'm trying to get, I, I got a, a medical procedure I got to do before I can actually get back on my feet. But, um, my job, one, one of my main jobs is as a, uh, a breacher, right. And, uh, I've been in contact with a lot of my guys there who are doing this, you know, some of them get parted off to infantry battalions or other special ops units or whatever, or work in organic teams as well. And there is a, even a problem with a lot of our, our breaching charges and getting enough of them because this is a specialized thing, right? Um, and so yeah. with our in our special operations kind of way, we've never had a shortage because you could have all the special operations you want going on. Never, and we, we have enough saved and, up for all of it. And there's not that much work at a time. Yeah, there's not of that work going on at any one given moment as opposed to the present situation so yeah. exactly and what's been going now, on over the last since we're talking gear and stuff one second let me just finish that one there, point there's a couple questions in here i don't want to 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. So they're the guys on the ground. I'm not going to get it obviously into details, but the guys on the ground have had to be incredibly creative in how they yeah. breach right now, because there are, there is a metric buck ton of breaching happening all the time right now with all these, you know, these yeah. infantry units, and all that again, not getting into tactics, but, um, but they are breaching a insane amount and they've been out of the very specialized stuff for the most part and, and not being able to deliver it to everybody. And so they've had to come up with, well, here's what we have. How do we get these like conventional tools that are P for plenty for those of you guys who get it or just way overkill for things and that kind of thing and not purpose built for this. And they've had to adapt different tools to get this job done while still making sure <coughs> to have minimal collateral damage. Um, and so even on that front, which people don't think about, there are severe, you know, severe problems. And it's not only that people have inadequate, uh, you know, battle rattle, uh, inadequate armor, inadequate personal kit. Yeah, personal kit is, yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. So individual yeah, there, kit there is, is what you guys are short on. Yeah individual kit yeah. but but it's it's far beyond that right it's even the demo to get certain jobs yeah, done right. and so they yeah. had to I, I wish i could get into some of the details because it's really cool but uh, i'm not i can't do that on the internet so no no no, no. here's a question I'm you sorry. can't answer this this goes uh, since we're talking kit i just want to throw this mm -hmm. out there you are do you want to you need to do something no go for it oh, oh okay so so this is an interesting one and it's the kind of question i'm sure a lot of people might wonder about. So Navy here asked uh, if the Israeli troops or at least the reserves are running the Tabors, the X-95s, because in video you're seeing Tabors, you're seeing M4s. Uh, is there is there a delineation between full-time versus reservist or is it unit specific or is it shooter's preference? Yeah, it's, it's unit specific. <laughs> I wish it was shooter's preference. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's unit specific. What happened was, um, so when I was still in, pretty much the whole army was on M4s, right? Uh, the, the fighting forces were on M4s, Colt M4s, just like they have here. 14 half inch barrels, special ops have shorter barrels sometimes. Um, and that's been the main bulk. Towards the end of my service, the Tavor started coming in. So there's, there were two versions. Now there's a couple more newer versions, but there was essentially the Tavor and the micro Tavor. And, um, mm -hmm. certain units went to the Tavor at first, like the Givati brigade were the first ones that guides an infantry brigade, the ones with the purple, purple berets. Um, they got the first Tavors because they were chosen as the, the test, you know, group for, this new gun and then they kind of tweaked it blah 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 and slowly it started getting into other units um it's actually a great gun for the purpose for which it was designed um you know there are there are things I that as pumps, I, and that's I fine right that's, that's fine I, I there are many wonderful things to a bullpup right that people that are they're all everyday shooters don't necessarily understand a lot of these considerations yeah. right so for example yeah. having a shorter gun is critical 
to the success of a yep. soldier moving around in, in a tight, confined urban setting in and out of vehicles, yes. uh, in and out of and around yep. and through buildings and up and down and in tunnels and that kind of thing. So having it, the shorter the rifle, yep. the better yep. in that sense, a B yep. the weight distribution of the weight being further back, the, the weight in the chassis being closer back, to your yep. body makes a very, very big difference. Cause if you think about it, the weight what of the soldier magazine do? back here. Yeah. Yeah. So the majority yeah. of your time, you're moving around with a gun. You're not actively pulling the trigger all the time, even during a war. Think about it. If I kill 50 terrorists today, which is a high number, right? If I kill 50 terrorists today and I've shot 400 rounds still on the clock, the majority of the day I'm walking, maneuvering with my gun, not pulling the trigger. Mm -hmm. And so all of the, yep the mobility with your rifle is every bit as important as the accuracy and how good the trigger is and how fast you can do your mag changes. Um, so in that sense, I think yep. the Tavor yep. and the bullpup in general uh, is, is an excellent platform. And if you build the correct, I hate this term, but for simplicity, I'll use it. If you build the correct muscle memory with it, it's a wonderful tool. If you yeah. are used to an M4 and I slap a Tavor in your hands, you're going to hate your life until you've gotten the reps in to, yeah. to make it. Yeah. And that's, and that that's me, man. I, 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 I just, I can't, uh, I can't get used to it. It's, and it, and it might even be just a cultural thing, you know, as for me personally, why I can't really wrap my head around them. They just, uh, and, and, but you're yeah. spot on working vehicles, working tight places. I mean, yeah, I would take one and learn it. If I was having to do that kind of work, I would, I would be in love with one and I would force myself to like it just for that simple fact alone now we're yeah, running up on two hours here guys i've got two more questions that we're gonna there's more in here but we're gonna do two this first one is gonna be a bit of an answer the second one uh, you can put as much as you want on it okay the first one's very important and i'm and i'm all and i'm very happy to see smart or strong ask this question sig what is the way we could boost morale in the idf or how do you recommend it what what can we do to show the love? First I mean, of all, they know they're doing the right thing. But how can we show? Uh, first of all, smart or strong, whoever you are, I don't know who you are, but I, I kind of love you just for asking that question. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Good guy. That is, actually, that is one of the biggest things that, that we are facing. You're asking this question specifically about the IDF and I'll give you my answer. But the answer to this, if you make it broader from the IDF and broader than just Israel, that is the solution to how we approach our global issue right now, right? Which is what we need to do is we need to get up and show our support. Every single one of us needs to get up and publicly, privately, whatever your means are, is show your support. And I, I'm not talking about financially. I'm not talking about throwing money around. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, putting a black box on your Instagram thing. Um, we need to show our support and our solidarity with each other. This isn't just saying uh, IDF good, Hamas bad, right? This is if we want to make a difference, we, and when I say we, it's all good people on earth. I'm not even talking about a political group. I'm not talking about a support group or religious group. All good humans on the planet need to be sharing truth 
and coming together so that we can all face evil. I am not a person that usually talks uh, in any sort of religious sense or in any sort of, uh, uh, you know, spiritual blah, blah, blah. I'm not a kumbaya guy. But what we need is we all need to group together and start talking sense because things are going on that are that are horrible. And we refuse, a lot of us refuse to, and a lot of us are just unaware of the fact that it's a problem. And like Chris said, maybe we'll have a whole episode discussing that cancer that's growing inside of all these, all of our Western societies, right? Um, and we all, yeah. we really, we, we need to group together, not in a combat sense. We need to group together and be like, hey, this is happening. This is happening. This is in my opinion, this is no smaller than than the beginning of World War II and and the beginning of the Holocaust. And a lot of Jews yeah. in the Holocaust were like, Agreed. in disbelief, this can't happen here. No, we're not leaving because you guys are out of your minds. They're not going to group us up, throw us on trains, and throw us in gas chambers. Are you out of your mind? The word, you know, come on. Um, and that's that's complacency and, born and, yeah. of comfort. That's um, and, and people say, well, how how would those people walk onto those trains, and how would they? They never resisted or nothing, because they didn't want to believe the reality they were faced with. Normalcy bias is a thing; it's a real problem. America and the world is engulfed in it at the moment, and 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 we've got to get ourselves out of that because we're walking into the trains right now, guys. It's, it's I don't want to say that it's, it's a cheapy kind of a shot to say because of what actually happened to to the Jews back then, but. But we're all kind of marching that way now. We're walking to the chains at the very least at the moment. Yeah. Until we and let wake me add up to that. And enough people say it. Here's my beef. Any anyone in this country, especially any Jewish person living in America who somehow is siding with Hamas, whether you understand that you're <laughs> siding with Hamas directly or not, anyone who is sitting there and, and these these Jews for peace or whatever these idiots call themselves that are that are like protesting pro you know oh you know apartheid state blah 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 understand that what you are you you are the Jew that got off the train and gave a tip to the conductor that's what you are so we all yeah. need yeah, to absolutely. not only not be tipping that conductor we need to blow up those trains and not let anybody get on them yeah, so to speak yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And you know, they, uh, this, this is this is what was the second question, Chris? Well, this, the second question. This is the longer one. This this one's going to take you a hot minute. I know when you when you see it, you're going to probably roll your eyes and be like, "Oh my god!" But here we go. This one comes from Navy ninety five as well. Pull out your crystal ball. How does this play out? Okay. Um, yeah, that's not a, uh, <laughs> I told you not a, um, 90 second answer crystal ball. No, you know, this, I, I don't think this, I don't see this ending the way we'd like to see it ending. I don't know if there is going to be a definitive end. I think in, in certain ways we've lost a lot of the aspects of this war. Um, I, I'm not saying all is lost in that kind of thing. Right. Um, the, a lot of things here are assuming that dot, dot, dot. So assuming first and foremost, <clears throat> assuming that the Biden administration 
does not turn its its back to Israel, both in the sense of military aid, but even more than that, in the sense of um, of enabling Israel to do the job, right? Um, assuming America doesn't leave us high and dry, the fighting in Gaza can uh, can be won, and that term one should be highlighted as a question mark because it's very hard at this point to actually pinpoint what winning actually looks like in this sense, right? Um, because you say, okay, right. well, objective one, destroy Hamas. What does that really mean? Does that mean every single person in Hamas, every person associated with Hamas gets killed, gets deported, gets what, what does yeah. that mean? Right. And then what, what is, what does everybody in Hamas even mean? Right. Is it because rest assured right. every single person of that 2.3 million or, or whatever the actual number is of people living in Gaza, every single person there is in some way connected to Hamas. Uh, my cousin is there. My son is there, blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, like you have an entire generation of, of people that have grown up in Gaza that have grown up, were born into a Hamas led Gaza, Hamas controlled Gaza. Right. So, um, so it's very, very difficult to say this guy's Hamas, this guy's not Hamas, right? Um, <clears throat> so that's that makes things that much more complex. Um, I think that assuming we keep American support, um, I think that you know Gaza can be the Gaza Strip can be taken over completely and. Uh, Hamas can be at least removed from having the ability to rule. Um, and we can take away a lot of the, if not all of the ability to fight in terms of uh, uh, weapons and caches of rockets and AKs. And um, the, the amount of fighting gear there is absolutely insane. Um, I think what's going to happen is, and, and mind you, just because of time, I'm sticking with just Gaza because this thing, of course, is so much bigger than just Gaza, right? Because to, in order to end this, we have to end the Ayatollah uh, leadership in, in Iran, right? This is this all kind of, you, yeah. you take all the yeah. big chunks out and put everything through the sieve. What's left at the bottom is Iran. Yeah. Um, and Iran is yeah. a much bigger problem than Israel deal with Iran, right? The world needs to deal with Iran, America, England, the, the whole world needs to deal with Iran. Uh, and the sooner, the better, like 10 years ago would have been nice. So yeah. I don't think Iran's going yeah. away. Certainly not. If we maintain political leadership as it is in the States right now, um, you know, uh, I, I think Gaza, what's going to happen is, you know, we're going to uproot Hamas from Gaza. However, that's going to look. I don't think it's going to be 100%. Um, we're going to be chasing and killing Hamas guys all over the planet for the next bunch of years. Um, the yep. big problem with Gaza is well, what to do. That shit. I'll give credit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they are. Um, the big, <laughs> The big obvious elephant in the room is what do you do with Gaza on the day after, right? Because the people yeah. have to be able to go back and live there, right? Because there's literally not a single Arab country 
that is willing to accept a single no. refugee from there, right? Um, no. On a different episode, we can get into explaining why. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I mean, that might be a good so one too. But but you know, just 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 recently, the Egyptians said we'll martyr three million people before we allow one Palestinian into into Egypt. Correct, and the Jordanian so king will said kill three well. million people. Yeah, the Jordanian king so, has the exact same stance. Right, but okay, so let me let me try to that's their hood, you know. So let me try to crack this as simply as I can. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to kind of put my thoughts together as I'm as I'm spewing this, but we need to find a solution for the day after in the sense that the Gazans get to stay and live in Gaza, but the Israelis on the other side of the border get to live there and be able to inhabit their homes and rebuild their homes and live without having rockets fired on their homes daily, which by the way, was happening daily before this war started, right? Yep. This is a daily thing in Israel. Yes. There are missiles and rockets being fired into civilian centers every day for the last, I don't know, since 2005, when we got, when we pulled out of Gaza, literally yeah. that day. I was just gonna say and decade, not the last decade. Yeah. Since 2005. Exactly. 2005 so it's almost oh, no, almost 20. Two, two and a half decades oh yeah two and a half decades yeah shit. almost 20 years yeah yeah so yeah. in in two years Sorry, it will I'm... be 20 years so for the last 18 years yeah, 20, 20 been... years so what is the world thinking well what um, what biden wants to happen in his infinite stupidity and i say his it's that administration it's not just him um yeah. What they want is they say the obvious, uh, the obvious answer to uneducated fools who don't know the first thing about what's going on is okay. Well, there's this thing called the Palestinian Authority. They are in control in um, in the West Bank, and they used to be in control in Gaza until 2005 when we pulled out of Gaza and Hamas and was Hamas able to to take over, right? And yeah. so what Biden is saying is, well, you give. You give the Palestinian Authority control of Gaza, and then you have this unified thing where the Palestinian Authority really is ruling both the West Bank and Gaza, which is a absolutely impossible situation. Understand that the Palestinian Authority is no better than Hamas, right? They've just, they fell into their kind of political role earlier than Hamas did, and so they're they're a lot more involved in that world as well. But they want the destruction of Israel every bit as much as Hamas does. And that is not going to give us any sort yes. of solution. Another potential uh, that has been thrown around is other Arab countries. I'm not even going to grace the UN with a response. The UN is a criminal body that should be completely annihilated yesterday morning. The UN, yep. and we can talk about yep. this the next time too. The UN is a bunch of criminals. Mm -hmm. um, they absolutely yep. cannot take control because, by the way, they have had control there in Gaza over the last 20 years. And they have been one of the root yeah. causes of enabling all this. So, um, yeah. uh, uh, so a third option is you have some some third body mediator that comes in there and kind of maintains control for the first few years until we get a working government there internally. And so that would be something like Saudi Arabia or Qatar or uh, UAE or whatever. Well, Saudi Arabia and Qatar don't want to do it. They don't want to deal with the Palestinian nope. issue. They never have. Um, and, and that's a whole tricky thing too. And then countries like Qatar, 
it, which is a whole nother episode we can do just on Qatar and its involvement because Qatar is on par. Just with on Qatar, right? <laughs> yeah, there, there's yeah. so much to unpack here. Yeah. So I'm trying to do it briefly. Yeah. Um, I know my two minutes just yeah. went into like nine minutes already on, on just this one answer. So what do I think? No, I think I know it would. Yeah. they're going to find some dumbass to kind of take take control over Gaza, and they're going to create a uh, no man's land, if you will, a strip inside of the border as a buffer zone, which is going to be, in my opinion, pretty ineffective. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, but it's it's a, a kind of a short term thing they can add on there to to help buffer terrorism um and it's probably going to go this is probably going to end with us saying we've reached uh some of our some of our you know uh, uh objectives that we've set in dismantling hamas blah 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 it's not going to get totally rooted out there's still going to be plenty of people it's going to take them a, uh, you know who are involved with hamas type activities because we're not going to destroy the mindset of of hamas we can yeah. kill those specific people. We can end a specific organization, but we are not going to reverse everybody's psychology there into all of a sudden wanting peace. Understand that if they wanted peace and laid down their arms at yeah. any point in history, including yep. right now, if everybody yep. put down their guns, there'd right be now. peace in the morning, right? Uh, if the Israelis put down their guns right now, tomorrow morning, there will not be a Jew left alive in that whole region, nope, there right? So. So I think what's going to happen is we're going to get to a point where we say we've militarily reached uh, the majority of our objectives. Uh, people are going to come back. The whole world's going to put billions of dollars into rebuilding Gaza. And in five, 10 years, this is going to happen again. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. I was thinking about, I was thinking about 10 years is what it's going to take uh, Hamas to, 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 to come back to life. But, yeah, but or, Emory, or some, I, I want to say on behalf of it. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, whatever it will be. It'll be a new iteration of Hamas, you know, and maybe the PLO is going to return. Who the hell knows? Uh, right. But, Ben, thanks for, for doing this for everybody. It's important that people get some legi legitimate information um, and, and accurate information. Um, and so I can't thank you enough. And plus, man, we missed you, bro. And I was worried about you when you're gone and stuff. So I was, yes, I'm really glad that you're back. And, um, yeah, Mel's over here waving hi at you right now. She really missed you. So, Hi, Mel. Well, right I miss there. you too, Mel. And, but but I don't want to. I don't. I also don't want to completely ignore T tonight, and and we want to end on a lighter, a little bit happier note. I want to know how the um, the Taj Mahal is coming along, T, because you're building something that it looks like I would live in to house a bunch of damn chickens. Like whose idea is this? Is yeah. It, so uh, you like them that much? You care that much for your birds? I don't. I don't. I just. I, I love my wife that much. That's what it comes down to. Oh, um, yeah. And that's, that's what it comes down to. So currently, currently our eggs are ranging from about $170 to $180 per egg based on the exchange rate for materials uh, for the construction of the Taj Mahal. Um, but on that note, we do plan on expansion and, you know, uh, the meat chickens are next. So we do need that that large facility to be able to house all these chickens. But I've always been notorious for overbuilding, 
but you know what they say, you know, build it right, build it once. I don't want to ever build it again. Yeah. yeah that's right. Damn right. And there's going to be some cool classes involved, guys. Uh, you're going to want to pay attention to Mountain Readiness's uh, page and Facebook and everything. Uh, there's going to be chicken butchering classes taking place there. There's going to be a lot of stuff. Yes. So this isn't a, this isn't, yes. he's just doing it for himself. It's, it's a community thing. You're going to be able to go there, learn how to it do is. it, and We're take birds have... home if you want to. Process birds. Yes, and Daniel Daniel Salatin, Daniel Salatin, and Mike Dixon right. will be. Yeah. Uh, they will be doing. Of course, Daniel, you know Joe Salatin's son. Yeah, Daniel Salatin will be there yeah. in May with Mike yeah. Dixon. You can purchase a chicken and process right side by side with Daniel. Um, we're going to do from the farm to the table whole thing for the whole day. So not only will you get to process hands-on with one of the biggest homesteaders in the world uh and from my understanding this guy can process a chicken out in about two minutes flat is what i was told uh wow. he is i guess super wow. fast i'm dying to see this um but um we're also gonna offer you you can process your own chicken and then we have we'll offer to be able you'll be able to cook it right there so we'll have guys cooking the stuff on hand so you can literally from the farm to the table, have a dinner, um, whole chicken right there, processed with Daniel South and myself, and of course Mike Dixon as well. So it should be a pretty cool deal. Nice. That's a wait. that's a that's a unique experience overall. But there's a point to that what you just said that very few people in America have ever experienced, and that is that is killing an animal, doing the butchering and consuming it within a very narrow time frame. the same day is odd for, for most Americans. They've never eaten an animal that was butchered the day they eat it. Uh, but to, to, to watch that entire process take place in a matter of a couple of hours, I'm imagining two or three hours, wow. you're going to go from a walking around chicken to he's on your plate and you're eating. Uh, That's it. More people should experience that. More, more people should experience For sure. That. For sure. And, and so, you know, let me say too, Emory, great to see you back, brother. Same as Chris, man, we missed you um and it is nice to have somebody and i've been a little quiet i've been under the weather uh been been sickly no excuse but um so i'm a little bit on the beat up side tonight but it's good to to hear you know firsthand account what's going on overseas and, I, and i'll say too just just to, on, on that note before we wrap up is um you know <sighs> It's not just about what's going on in other countries. There's so many things that's going on in this world right now. I mean, whatever happened to the Taliban and, and all this kind of stuff, you don't hear about any of this stuff. It worries me a lot. Um, and, and that's why it's so important to me that we do these things like learn to process animals and 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 raise gardens and all these things. because It's going to be a necessary thing in the future uh, for survival. Right now, yeah. due to our current administration, uh the borders have been open all these people have been flooding in but we're not seeing any terrorist attacks or anything here on american soil really so what does that mean to me that means that they are organizing something bigger right and i fear that mm -hmm. as time goes on we're going to see you know epic proportion um terrorist acts here in the united states because of what's being allowed to go on in, in the world just right now so um you know it's super important that we get our ducks in in a row 
And it's and it's important, just like you said, Chris, like you said, Emery, you know, our voices, we need to get them out there. We need to be heard. We need to to come together and and work to take this government back to we the people because it's it's slipping away fast. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it is. It, it really, really freaking is. And and T, I know you've you've had that that case of the can't help it's uh I'll ship I'll ship you a uh uh some uh angry Americans um miraculous root oil and that'll that'll cure you right up. Um mm -hmm. just just take a mm -hmm. shot of that. That's stuff. what I need, man. <laughs> Sounds good. You've had a lot to say tonight, but but what what do you want to leave everybody with, man? What you know, you for uh, him? close them out. I think I think what how I would like to leave off tonight is actually on one of those questions about what you know uh, from smart or strong. Uh, you know, what is a way we can uh, boost morale in the IDF? That kind of thing. And, but my answer, I don't want to say specifically about the IDF, um, but I do want to touch on that again, because I think this is what has to happen on the planet. Um, you know, get on your social media if you have it and, and say, Hey, you know, I support this and, you know, and I'm on the side of, of right. And then on a, you know, forget social media on a personal level, get with people, start building communities we need to rebuild our community and i say this often right we need to start having conversations we you know let's use this just like in israel these horrible things happened and are happening and it groups people together in understanding that we have to survive together because if we're not together we will not survive and the same thing applies here and so the sooner we can become cohesive the sooner we can, uh, you know, fight this evil across the whole planet and try to, you know, get our world back on the right track. Our politicians aren't going to do it for us. We have to do it. It's not a call to arms. It's a call. It's the other nope. way, right? It's a, we have it's to group to together. Action. It's a call to action. Yes. We need yep. to take action. We need to stop being ambivalent about things and, and just letting them happen. We We need to take action and we need to start start instead of being reactive being we need to be proactive quit being an observer yeah. right we all need to quit being an observer and start being an actor and and again yeah. just for safety here i'm not i'm not saying violent action the contrary is what i'm nope. trying to say nope nope yes. so that's before that's that before that's necessary we're trying to prevent that we're trying to prevent that and that's what we're telling everybody to to raise your voices, exactly. you know, right now, and 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 just through your daily actions, vote with your wallet on things too. Avoiding companies that don't support these ideals that we do. Yeah, it's tough and it sucks. Um, the the points that I'm going to leave you with go right to that. Number one, learn, buy books, read, take training classes, get educated. Then second thing I'm going to say is start learning to be uncomfortable. Because what we're about to experience is going to be extremely uncomfortable. But that doesn't mean dead. If you can feel it, you're still alive. It's going to be uncomfortable. But the more you can learn now, and like Emery's talking about, by spreading our voices, the more common people that we can get with, the more 
folks we have in our corner, the better it's going to be for us. Building the community, building that tribe. Start on your street. Get to know your neighbors. I've got to do it. I've got to go through my own neighborhood and knock on some doors for some people I don't know yet. Uh, but I'm going to do that because that's 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 how fundamental things are. That's how fundamental it is right now. T, what do you got, man? I know you're tired and wore out, but uh, uh, that chicken coop ain't going himself, so you need to get to bed here pretty quick. That's it. That's it, man. You know, I, I hate roofing. That's all I'm going to say. I hate roofing. And uh, that's what's happening tomorrow. i got to roof this thing now. So carry all those shingles up there. But, you know, it, it'll be done soon. It'll be oh. done soon. We'll be, you know, it's all part of the process of uh, just, uh, you know, trying to do a little something more every every day. And we're all on the same, you know, the, the great part is, is we are all on the same road. We're all on the same path. We're just at different spots on the on the trail, you know. Uh, we're all shooting for the same yeah. thing as yeah. long as you're making progress. You know, even little steps, baby steps, are still steps steps ahead. That's what we all need to be shooting for. Yep. That's it. That's it. Chris, what so, you got? Guys, thanks for everybody hanging out so long. Uh, me, well, like I said, my thing is, is, is learn. Educate yourselves. Read. Take a damn training course. I know the economy's tough. Money's tight. But but get educated, all right, on on skills that are going to become very necessary to maintain your life, like food production, like like butchering animals, like, um, you know, how to purify your water, how to dispose of your waste, how to defend your home. And all of these require extra sets of hands. So you need the community. You need the knowledge. And again, start learning to be uncomfortable. I don't think I can stress that one enough. It's something that's come to me recently and I've started talking about. And, and I think people really, really need to start developing that now because you look at Gaza, Israel, you look at, the, you know, Ukraine, there's a lot of those folks aren't comfortable. They're living hard lives. Um, and, and we're, we're lucky here. We, we've had it good for a long time. Um, we need to be thankful. We've had that, that long, quiet time that we've had but that quiet time is coming to an end and the entire world is about to get very very noisy it's it's already happening you guys see it starting uh it's fixing to kick off in south america i don't know how many of you guys are watching that uh venezuela is a just voted to annex 60 percent of guyana guyana's military is the size of the dallas police force uh the first guy in his helicopter was shot down today they're already trading rounds folks the largest oil reserve in the last 25 years, probably was just discovered off the coast of Guyana. Why do you think Venezuela wants it? So mm. there's lots of shit we can talk about, but, but there's too many threat vectors to be sitting on our asses, being complacent and not doing something. Um, and that's why I say educate yourselves. And that's, that's really what I got to close out with for everybody tonight. Get educated, stay safe uh, and build that community. And uh, you guys know the drill. Be good. Be good at it. We will catch you next time. And we're going to have more in-depth conversations like this because this one was great. Amy, I can't thank you enough, man. Really fantastic. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Glad to be yeah. Me too. Glad you're back, bro. And I want to see you soon somehow. We'll figure it out and make it happen. But uh, that's all we got. Oh, there. I, I was saying me too. I think I was muted. Muted. Can you hear me?